68 with Trina Roderick. Yeah, do that. When you hear the trippy music, you know it's two o'clock, and that means that it's time, and you are tuned into. Some call me Tim. Ah, I try to time it up. Tim. There's the trippy music. Uh, welcome to Some Call Me Tim. I am very excited today. I have with me comedian Brian Blanco. Soon to be a ex-San Francisco Bay Area comedian and soon to be an Austin, Texas comedian. Hopefully, if I make it. If you make it. If well, I make it, I got a journey. Well, the best thing is no one will know any of your jokes. Right. So that's right. it's you're, you're completely new. I have five years of terrible material to blast at these people in so Austin. <laughs> you've been in comedy five years. It's so funny because we've pretty much been in comedy the same amount of time. Right. And we both graduated from high school at the same time. We're both uh, disappointments to our parents. <laughs> I don't know if you're disappointed. Sure. I totally am. <laughs> so, what do you remember the day you started? Disappointing what? my parents? No. <laughs> <laughs> the day you started doing comedy. Yeah, uh, it was July 11th, July, July 17th, 2011. It okay. was a Tuesday at Amnesia when it was used to be called Red Light Open Mic. Okay. And, um, yeah, I did uh, did my first set, and three minutes, five punchlines, three minutes, uh, and it was. I'll, and I'll never turn back. I'll never go back to poetry right. again. <laughs> poetry. That's cool. You found the groove. Yeah. Uh, so if you guys look on the internet, on the Facebooks, you can see that Brian Blanco and I are 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 uh, yearbook photos always touched on the corners. We were like he was always in the second row beneath me. At one point or another, and I really liked your long hair. <laughs> such a good look for you. I liked my long hair too. Yeah. I liked having hair. Period. Yeah, it you have hair. You have plenty of hair. A little bit. I'm I'm making it work. I Are gotta you, come forward. Does it make you? Do, is that like a thing that? I mean, I guess the society and everything, and popular movies and TV say that it's a huge issue. Do you find it to be like a? stumbling block for you in any way? Uh, for me, only because I'm a performer. Uh, that's the only reason I think about going in life. I believe it's just my personality, all that kind of stuff. It doesn't matter. The hair doesn't make the man, but right. it does. I would prefer to have hair. Let's put it that Wait, way. For, so for TV you know? or something, you'd, you'd wear like a rug? No, no. Um, it's mostly trying to come up with a hair fashion while balding. Uh, Someone needs to come up with a balding man's fashion look. Because there's nothing you can do. If you grow it too long, it looks terrible. You're combing things over. Right. Um, and then if you shave it close, then you look like a Nazi. Right, uh, right, 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 so. right, right. I really like that when there's it's really long on the sides and there's nothing on the top. <laughs> That's kind of like, like my favorite look. Like I live in a trailer. Uh, I may or may not be a serial killer. Well, you could, if you grew it out really long, you could wear it up in a bun and no one would ever know. You could wear it like a man bun and they'd have no idea. Right. Well, the Japanese culture, the samurais, they would actually shave the top of their head oh, my. and then they'd grow a little back part out and comb it forward like a little strip of hair. So I should go move to Japan where they accept and fashion for bald people. 
I mean, there should be. Why, why not? I mean, there's got to be like a crazy percent. It's a percentage. Right. Anyways. Right. But no, going bald sucks. It's not great. Like, it's not fun. Uh, especially when uh, you see other people your age that have the big, thick, full head of hair. Right. And especially, I'm 43 now. So the guy that's Me got too. When's your the birthday? salt and pepper you gray hair, July 24th. July 24th. July 24th. You're just a little bit older than me. Okay. Just a couple of, I'm October 10th. Six months old before I did. Yeah. So. Look at that. Well, ships pass in the night. Do you, um, uh, lady prospects, is that, do you think that having hair or not having hair plays into that or just you have a scintillating personality? Uh, I think that the initial, like, if I'm perhaps trying to pick up a girl in a bar, yeah, mm. the, the bald thing. Obviously, you're not, you have plenty people of hair. are super superficial. So yeah. someone's staring at me in the corner of a bar. No one picks the bald guy first. Is hey, let's go talk to him. He really? must be great to talk to. Huh. You know, right? Like that. Yes. Yeah. You know, let's say I could count the number of times that I've been in a bar. I can't count. I've been in many bars. <laughs> I can count the amount of times I've been in a bar. And a woman's approached me and bought me a drink and said, hey, bald guy, come over here. Let me buy you a drink. Yeah, hey. But you're not bald. You have plenty of hair. I, I, was just, I just brought, brought no, it up. No, it doesn't bother me much, though. Okay, good. It's nah. not an issue. So this is uh, Some Call Me Tim, and I usually we talk about uh, religion or your past with belief, whether that's in a religious context or without uh, do you believe in Jesus? You want to talk to Sparkle Jesus in the corner right behind you? He's right there. I like all Jesuses should sparkle. Yeah, right? he's super sparkly. It would be better if he had a little rainbow sparkle. Yeah, he's a special Jesus. <laughs> yeah. But do you, uh, do you believe in Jesus? Uh, no. No. Did no. you ever believe in Jesus? No. Um, yeah. You did? I was raised Catholic. Oh. So up Saint until... <laughs> up until I could think, I believed in Jesus. And then once I like really started asking questions and coming into my own, I realized that. So, do you remember? Do you remember when you're like, just Jesus shit is a crock of poo? It, was it like 12, 11, 10? Earlier than that was when I started to have doubts. Eight? It, probably around then. Third right grade. Between eight and ten. Okay. Uh, Third, my, fourth, fifth grade. Yeah, I had a grandpa on my mom's side, a lieutenant colonel in the army, mm-hmm. uh, lieutenant colonel James G. Russell. And he was a badass, uh, and he would talk about all the people he killed in the war. Wow. <laughs> and so one Which day... Which war? I, Korean? Uh, the, he was in World War II. Okay. So he always claimed he killed Germans. Uh, I believed he was a badass. He always used to show us a scar that he said he got on the battlefield. Ooh. After he passed away, his wife was like, dude, that was an apodectomy scar. <gasps> like, oh, that's hilarious. So, so, But he was talking about all the Germans he killed in the war, and I went into church, and they did a whole big spiel one day about how thou shall not kill right and then i said well my grandpa said that he killed a lot of people in the war does that mean he's gonna go to hell Ooh. and i watched like the preacher like Ooh. the priest like blink at me you know like they do when they can't answer a question wow theological you know, people right like wow. you know because he's not gonna well, tell it was like does not compute does not compute yeah his little robot i could see the smoke coming up right, his ears, right. You know? he's like how do i answer this child right and he oh. didn't have a good answer he couldn't answer my question and that began a series of questions in my mind that would resonate for years right Wow. Did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? Once you get that, like, you know, once you start... Did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? I would have to say no. They can't. 
they can't because they right. were created right. from the dirt. Right. Right. So there's all those little theological issues sure. and things where I just believed that. But I mean, look at the things we believe in. I mean, right. it's like we can believe any. The concept that we have the capacity to imagine such fantastical and weird things. I mean, sure, let's believe in Jesus. He died. He was the son of God who was impregnated into a young girl via angel from God's semen. Like, so, I mean, it's the, the concept that we all sort of believe that. It's like, of course we believe whatever they tell us. We're so right. gullible and right. silly. Right. I mean, it is the weirdest story. It, all of it. Even Genesis is crazy. Like, the whole... Almost all religious stories are crazy, though. Whichever book you pick up, you're going to find things in there where you're just going to be like Scientology, where you're like, oh, seven foot six people sure, the from Thetans, the sky. Yeah. You know? right, or right. if you look at the Bible, you're going to believe that a dude named Moses actually parted the Red Sea, clapped right. his hands, yeah, and, and, went like, and made a Matrix move. Sure. The, you know, the, so these stories... But the best stories ever are like the tortoise and the hare. Yeah, sure. So, which is a crazy story. A rabbit ain't gonna race a turtle. Who sets up this race? Yeah. What's the prize? Yeah. What are they competing for? Sure. Because they eat different things. There, you know. There's so there. But that's why where the Bible makes slow a lot and of sense. steady wins the race. Right. So my favorite um, biblical story. One of them. There's so many. They're weird. But um, Lot's daughters. Okay. The story of Lot. He was, it was before the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. So this dude Lot was like a moral guy. And God was like, this guy's pretty cool. But he sent these two angels down to this city to sort of check it out. And so uh, they come into, he, Lot brings them into his house. He's like, get in here. And uh, the, the angels are like, hey, Lot, we hear you're the only nice guy in here. And the entire town comes and knocks on Lot's door. And they're like, give us these dudes to rape. These guys are hot or whatever. And he's like, don't take them. No, take my daughters. So he throws his daughters out into the street to get raped by the crowd. Saves the angel people, whatever. So then the angel people tell him like, hey, dude, you got to get the fuck out of her. But don't look back. God's going to destroy it. Don't look back. So Lot and his two daughters and his wife, they're running. La, la, la. Lot's wife looks back, supposedly, uh, because she loved it so much or whatever. Turns into a pillar of salt. And then he and his two daughters run up into these caves. Now, the daughters think they're the last people left on earth. They think God's destroyed the whole world. And so they get their father drunk in the cave and they fuck him. Oh, shit. Okay, this is in the Bible. This is in Genesis. <laughs> it's like post the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, right. his two daughters take him into a cave, get him drunk, and fuck him right. to get pregnant to keep the Jewish people going. <laughs> And I'm like sitting here in Bible school going, excuse, excuse me, first he sent his daughters out to be raped and we're okay with this. Like yeah. we're not even, they're just gloss right over it. Like, right. it's like, like, like a matter like we do this all the time. We yeah. throw out the trash. Yeah. Just there. There's throw our daughters out to the hordes. Right. And then for them to think, and then, so it's like, what's the moral of this story? Like, what are we supposed to get from this biblical story that you daughters are worthless and that then they're stupid because I, I, I didn't I couldn't I still don't understand I'm like how well, anyway, I did the same I, I kind of started I was super super into Jesus for a super super long time and then I started questioning but my questions were kind of answered but kind of not mine was fifth grade I asked my teacher 
uh, at the Christian school, San Ramon Valley Christian Academy. <laughs> uh, I asked her, my grandmother is Catholic, is she going to hell? Because they told us that Catholics were a cult. Uh, and I'm like, but they're Christians and they are part of religion, comes off of their... And they're like, no, no, your, your grandma's going to hell. I said, but she's been going to mass every Saturday night since... Like, she does mass twice a week. She's dead now. But I'm like, how? And my little child brain was like, like, how are you telling me? And then they said that my cats and dogs weren't going to heaven. Uh, And I'm like, there is no heaven then. Right. Because my heaven involves cats and dogs. Yeah. Oh, my God. So many puppies. That's like, this is the whole nature of, okay, look, like, this is about what we believe. I have studied almost every religion for about three weeks. (laughs) You know just enough to be dangerous. (laughs) Right. Buddhism, quickly, tell us Buddhism. Buddhism, I'll just go my favorite stories. Okay, okay. Okay, because I take something from all the religions. Right. And my favorite thing about Buddhism is the nature of attachment. Uh So they have my favorite Buddhist story is how do you catch a monkey? Monkeys are real hard to catch out in the jungle. Sure. Okay, they're smart like humans. Uh, But it turns out they're actually easy to catch. All you got to do is get a piece of candy, something they're going to want, and put it inside a bottle. Okay, and the way a bottle works, you know, it's got uh, kind of a bottleneck, and then it opens up in the bottom where the candy is. So a monkey has just enough room to get his hand in. But in order to grab the candy, he has to make a fist. Right. And then he can't get his hand out of the bottle with the candy. And then you could just walk right up to the hole and kill the monkey. And no matter what happens. Why would you want to kill a monkey? The monkey, well, you're hungry. You, you want to eat, eat. you're in the jungle. <gasps> People you know, or I don't know why. Maybe you want to catch it and put it in your zoo. Uh, okay. You know, this... maybe he's sick and you want to help him. Uh, and the only okay. way to help him is catch him. Right, but okay. But the point is you need to catch the monkey. You put, that's brilliant. So he can't ever get, so once he's got the candy in his hand, he can't get his hand out. Right. And most monkeys would rather get caught than let go of the candy. Wow. So the Buddha, you know, the, that's a great Buddha. So that's an allegory saying that if you are holding so tightly to something, you don't see like the detriment right. around you. Well, that can happen to bring it to comedy. For example, like let's say my attachments here, okay, uh, every comic in town wants to get passed at the punchline. Sure. Okay, so everybody goes to there on a Sunday in mass. That's what all the comics do. They all take the same line. You all wait with the same people. You go through the same gatekeepers. And as a local comic, I could have my eyes so focused on getting past at the punchline that I forget that they're doing comedy in New York, Australia, <laughs> um, sure. Seattle. They're doing. There's some guy doing comedy tonight at an open mic at some bar in Iowa. Yeah. from a town we've never heard of. Sure. And he's got three of his buddies that are going to go out there and have a goddamn terrible comedy show in some hick town, farm town in the middle of nowhere. Right? So, I don't know. I feel like... Uh, so, you want to go to... You want to travel the world. Instead well, of putting... as a monkey, I'm letting go of that candy. Right. Sure. Because I don't want to get caught. As a comedian, as a 43-year-old, what bothers me is most people live and die within 20 miles of where they were born. And wow. And you, wow. I just don't want to be one of those people that only ever knows, I've only known California. Me me too, but I love it. And I love California. Yeah. 
but I was born in Livermore. Now I, I feel to, like a schlub. I'm like, Paris. I'm going to die 20 miles away right. from where I was That's born. That's my problem. I went to Paris for 72 hours Whoa. in my 20s. Wow. And it was some of the most magical 72 hours. So I think about it. I left California for a brief moment in time. How, and went, had why would you go to France life. for three, for three oh, days? Well, I went to all over Europe. Oh, I basically okay, okay, did okay, Europe. Okay, okay, I did okay, okay. England, Germany, Amsterdam, Sweet. Paris in like 17 days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You saw so, it all. And I had a brilliant... And it, basically what happens is every time I leave here... Everything's rad and I have a great time. Sure. So things are rad here. But as a human being, all my heroes have traveled. Well, it's time. I mean, you have the opportunity and you have the 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 momentum, forward momentum. So you should. I right. mean, the, the only reason that I, I mean, I love San Francisco and I've lived on there. I just, I knew when I got, got here 10 years ago, I was like, I'm going to stay here. This is my home. This is, this, this is, is where, I, this is right. where I always should have been. I can't right. believe it took me this long to get here. Right. So once I got here, I'm like, I'm going, I went a different route of the community because I've only been in it for six years. But the first thing I did was like, how can I secure my own space? Right. Which is smart. No, that was like my first thing. Yeah. I'm trying empire. Is, Woo. That's how I see but, it. Yeah. I mean, I've seen small things turn into really big things sure in my car in my comedy life and my real life too yeah so you know you play your cards right You'll oh i just keep trying to keep knocked. playing the cards that's the thing is it's like i just i knew like for example i'm an open mic comedian in san francisco i have no illusions that i'm going to be getting a netflix special anytime or anytime soon or anytime like ever like i just sort of have I'm trying to have a more realistic view upon the world now that I'm older. Like, it, that was cool when I was in my teens right. and 20s to have dreams right. and be like, I want to do this or that, whatever. <laughs> like, but I'm an old lady. Right. And it's, nothing's happened yet. It's funny how, as an so, older comics, all yeah. older comics are a lot more pragmatic about it. Like, let That's me just the word, figure pragmatic. out how to make a living. Right, exactly. And then maybe I'll work on the Netflix special. Like, right, you know? right. I still see that's where I'm the most delusional. Is I'm you still believe man. in the Netflix special? I do. You do. And Brian Blanco. What'll be what'll it, it be titled? Brian Blanco. I'm 43, so ideally around the time I'm 50, sure, and starting to develop some serious health problems, I drop this hour of comedy that's going to redefine the game. Sure. And then I croak. Boom. Boom. Mitch Hedberg. Yeah. Over. Sure. Done and out. He you was know, a lot younger. With, but, you know, yeah. so I don't know. I do have the dreams of making it but um you know, I, I feel the same i mean i still harbor that art, like that though, deep is, thing of like oh it would be great if people actually on a mass scale wanted to listen to my comedy or that i perfected what i was doing to a part, point where you know it was flawless like and people perform. enjoyed it oh i, I love like performing perform. oh my and god so the netflix special it's not the end for me it's the means to an end uh, where uh, I just know that, like, I don't want to credit so that I can go transition into Hollywood. Right. I want to credit just so that people will come to my shows. Right, right, And right, I right, can right, sell right. out wherever I go. Like, sure. you know, you look at a guy, who, like, who spent maybe 30 years building up his empire, like Bill Burr or Sebastian Maniscalco, or these people that have been around forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Norm, you know? Norm MacDonald. Norm MacDonald. Yeah. That's, that's a thing that took a lot of time to craft. Yeah. And it took a lot of time to do. But there's clearly a love of it to do it for well, that long. But the people, that's the thing, though, too, is that... 
you know, Norm just gets up on stage and kind of talks, but and the same thing with Joe Rogan or whatever. But they sell out. Of Everyone, course they, they do have, because they have a crowd to perform because for every night. everybody loves them. Like they right. love it when they say whatever. And that's the thing right. is like, how do I make it so that people love whatever I say? I mean, I don't well, know if that's ever going to happen. Unique voice, which you're already doing. You're already a very unique flavor. Oh, thank you. You know, and then it's just owning that to the degree where I've the, all I study. Right. Lately, it's like I look at like okay, let's say um, Bette Midler. Oh, she's one of my heroes. She's rad. Yeah, I think she's amazing. She's, yeah. Uh, or Maria Bamford. Mm-hmm. Okay, where they are such unique flavors in the universe. Right, right, right. That they're such a niche thing that they made it because they're such a unique flavor. Sure. Well, so and Bette Midler can sing her can ass off. Dish. Say that again. She can sing her ass off. Who's that? Bette oh, Bette, oh yeah. yeah she's talented, yeah. talented. Musical theater, just uh, maven. Yeah. I sang karaoke last night. It was really fun. That's why my voice is a little fucked up. Separate ways. I hurt my knees crawling on the ground. I did the little dance break. <laughs> what song I, were you singing? Separate ways by Journey. <laughs> I, I killed it. I really killed it. Like I even I even actually peed my pants a little bit because I was belting so hard. I said so that into the microphone. Think you might transition to an uh, open mic karaoke. Well, no, I mean I used to be. This is a this is a karaoke microphone. Don't get it ah, twisted. This is the, my tattoo I on thought me. Your tattoo was a comedy. Yeah, microphone. everyone always thinks that my ta- my tattoo of a microphone is a comedy microphone, but nay, no. I went to the karaoke state finals, um, California, in uh, 1997. I won a couple contests, you know, in my 20s. I was a terrible singer too. I sang Big Spender. It's in the key of C. Well, everything I sing is in the key of C because it's just the easiest key to belt in. But I sang Big Spender and I did a little hat and a little little chair dance with the hat and a little feather boa and da da da. And it was really fun. It was like 400 people. I was. I know. I used to love karaoke before. But I've always were you going loved performing. For laughs or were you going for like? A uh, yeah, I was going for laugh. I think I always go for laugh. I mean, I was just right. trying to be entertaining. Right. Um, and you were always an, an entertainer. You I were in always wanted people. I always wanted people to pay. I, but I was. But still, I was trying to turn this into a joke the other day. I was the unpopular cheerleader, and somebody laughed at me. They're like, "Fuck you! There are no unpopular cheerleaders." I'm like, "Oh no! Yeah, there are. There really <laughs> are. Like, I did not go to any parties, and, and I tried. <laughs> I tried to go to parties so badly, and they never let me. They never told me where they were. I never went to a party in high school. After the football games, I'd be like, "I know you're all going to party somewhere. Where are you going?" Right. And they just be like no there's no party and then on Monday I'd hear about the party and I'm right. like why am I not cool enough to go to the party so the real growth is <laughs> as a person as a human being uh, now that 20 years have gone by 20 more almost years, 30 yeah. right a shitload of time has gone by yeah. uh, do you think you're able to look back at yourself and go oh that's why no one was inviting me to parties oh yeah was I was so was high doing. strung I was okay. in high school and I'm still relatively high strung, but um, a lot more chill. Now, I mean, in high school, I was like, you know, what I learned as an adult is no one likes the kid that always raises their hand and shakes it in the air. The, the, right. I know, I know, I know, I know. Pick me, pick me, pick me. I know the answer. I know the answer. Nobody likes that kid. Right. But I didn't know. I didn't figure that out until I was like 35. <laughs> Because I've always just been, I've always been kind of a know-it-all. I've always wanted people to think I'm smart. And I've always wanted people, I've always tried to put myself out there to get people to really, really like me. But when you try to make people really, really like you, it's like it's the opposite, the opposite right. effect. It's, right. And I didn't learn that until I think after I left my husband. So I was in my 30s. Yeah. But I can look back now and be like, I mean, and I, I, there are so many things I look back on my life and I'm like, I, and I don't, 
I don't have any shame when I'm doing things, but like sometimes late, I'm later, I'm like, oh, this is shameful. So yesterday I was reading this book, um, Monologues for Young Actors. And when I was in college, I used to want to be an actor. And when I'm reading this monologue book and thinking about when I was that age or whatever and monologues, I remember auditioning for a show that was a serious show and I didn't memorize anything. I just went in and made shit up. Nice. Right? That's the way to do it. But it's not the way to do it. If you want to be a serious actor, they have to, you have to show right. them, right. You have to show them you that can you can memorize. Before you can go off pitch. Right. Yeah. But, so I basically like improved a scene and I emoted a lot and they were like, who wrote that? And I said, I did. And they were like, when did you write it? And I was like, just now. And they were like, Okay, so so anyways, now I look back on that, and I at the time I thought I was brave, but mm-hmm. I think I was just lazy. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like exactly. And yeah. and so I'm I'm so embarrassed that I put them through that five minutes because I can mm. just imagine like what that was like. Because I've watched people, I'm watching a lot of audition tapes right now, and when it's cringeworthy, and I'm like, I was the cringeworthy. It's, that was me. I'm that's the cringy. The thing I've learned about uh, as a performer uh, doing my first. I could say uh, it took me a while. Now when I show up at somebody's show and it's completely crowded, um, I know how much work that takes. And when I oh watch Oh my God, it, as a producer, a full right. crowd, I am so jealous every right. time I go to a show right. and it's full. I'm like, how? So it takes, it takes a lot of effort. And then it's just, and then when people are laughing consistently at this one joke, this one guy says all over town, right. everyone, that's, a, that's an it's art. just the work. Yeah. yeah. That's, people are doing the work, you know? So and, um, this is the quote that I found. There is a vitality, a life force, an energy, a quickening that is translated through you into action. And because there is only only one of you in all of time this expression is unique and if you block it it will never exist through any other medium and be lost the world will not have it martha graham so that's it but that i think that has to do with like i don't know we are all little special little snowflakes but we aren't and it's like are we it's like were we really specifically made by a god for a specific person were you like put on this earth to tell jokes to to tell dick jokes to people like what but i think your lazy thing is exactly right where i see you made that mistake when you were young Mm -hmm. now you see what that mistake was you can correct it yeah i made the mistake of taking audiences for granted sure. is the biggest sin I think a performer can make. Oh, in that, yeah. Like, you can see a crowd uh, comic still go up there and kill it, as long as you're doing your job. But I see a lot, especially at open mics, where people, for whatever reason, they've come out tonight to come do comedy. And they're hoping for the best possible results. <laughs> but you could see within 30 seconds of them grabbing a microphone, uh, when they grab their phone to look at their notes. Oh, I hate the phone people. So my thing is, is if I'm on the internet and you ask me to watch a 30-second video... Sure. I'm probably not going to watch it. If you can get it into me for other under five seconds, great. Wow. You know, a kid tripping. And then sometimes people send you clips that are three, four minutes long. I'm not going to watch that. I'm not a computer person. So I'm hesitant to give an internet clip 45 seconds of my time. Interesting. And an audience, we're asking them to give us their complete undivided attention. Hey, put your phone away or else we're going to yell at you. Sure. Don't talk back or else we're going to yell at you. Right. Just sit here quietly and listen to the words I say and you're supposed to laugh if it's good. That's actually, they're giving us the 
one of the best gifts a human being can give another human being, which is your time. Wow. Yeah, that's a really interesting way to think so about I it. So I almost, so now, five years into it, I'm either going out to practice a joke and work out the routine of it, right. or specifically try something new, or else I take the night off. Really? Because I've decided that collectively, if I'm going up in an open mic and doing five minutes in front of four people, <laughs> that's 20 minutes of time, cumulatively. Yeah. I don't want to waste 20 minutes of everybody's fucking time. That is so Unless sweet of you. I've got a thing. Well, that's an artist, though, is the thing. That's like, really sweet what's the point in showing someone a finger painting that we do at open mics and be like, look, are you impressed? And we're going to be like, no, it's your hand dipped in three colors. Well, and sometimes. And it looks like a turkey. Right. You know? But, like, when someone comes up there with their crafted thing, it's a new joke, but you can tell that they've thought about this. Sure. They've thought about the structure of the joke. They've yeah. thought about how it's going to be received. Like, hey, I'm going to push buttons. Which buttons is it going to push? Right. Then that's not a waste of my time to listen to you do that. Sure. It's a waste of my time to watch you scroll through your phone while you look for your next idea. Absolutely. Uh, it, okay, so this was a thing I used to get on people about uh, especially in the world of literature is that when people go to readings and especially poets i'm like memorize your fucking poem right memorize right. your poem you and perform it. it memorize it yeah why would you stand <laughs> right. up in front of us with a piece of paper looking down at your piece of paper what to hear the night. dulcet tones of your voice fuck mm -hmm. you perform your poem T tell us how it's supposed to be read it's how it's supposed to be performed how we're supposed right. to get it right it used to make me crazy and when they read things off their cell phones as poets i'd be like have some value have some love of your own work right and it's the same thing with comedy if people are i, I don't i never okay in the even in the beginning i never brought up notes because you're performing like even if it's an open mic i mean still take it seriously enough that well some notes are okay I don't mind if, like, you know, all the only notes. I mean, I've I write some had, things on my on my. I'll write yeah, something down, just hands. like a, like usually, it's the thing I don't want to forget. You know, if and I used to do notes though, I hid them. So what right. I learned is that brainwash right. or wherever, I get a clear glass and I write my notes on a napkin, uh, and then I put it on the other half of my beer. So if I get lost, this is I don't do that anymore. But this is like my first two years of comedy. Right. If I was nervous and it was a big show and I wanted to have my list with me, but I didn't want to have my list with me, I just put it on a napkin behind right. the glass. So I was at least fooling them into believing right. that I wasn't lost or whatever. It's comedy. You get fascinating comedy lessons everywhere you go. Yeah. And I've uh, some of my favorite mics to do, or they have a mic at Stanford. And they also have a the mic. College? Yeah. Wow. It's a great mic. It's called the Coho. And okay, huh. a fascinating mic though, to watch how uh, these kids that are going to the highest level of education. Right. They're the smartest of the smart. And they'll go up there with jokes that are fire. Give their jokes to any comic in town and watch them run with it. Really? But they don't have the performance skills. Oh, they have, yeah, they have no idea. It's they, interesting. It's I'll fun. see no so mind. many premises yeah. and that are brilliant at yeah. Stanford that just get lost in the ethers of time. Sure. Well, because, because they don't know how to deliver it. Well, they don't know laps. how to use a microphone. So, so I mean, there's certain basic things right. that a lot of comedians don't know. For me, when I came to comedy... I had such a background in performance and with karaoke, obviously I'm good with microphones, but that's like 
A number one. Like you have to be able to hear the person. Right. You have to hear what they're saying. I have the hardest time with and quiet comments. So when they, right. when they when they put the microphone down like this, and you can't obviously you can't hear me right now because I put the microphone underneath my chin, and they talk like this, and it's like okay, so you have to understand the mechanics right. of a microphone. It's right. made of magnets, and, you and need it to be heard, and it amplifies the sound waves that come out of your mouth hole. Like right. you know the the breath comes from your diaphragm, it gets comes from your lungs, get pushed up through your diaphragm, through the vocal cords, inside your neck coming out your mouth hole little waves wah, 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 and you have they have to go into the microphone and, yeah. sometimes people don't know and simple things like when you're on stage you always want to make sure that your toes are pointing toward the audience like that's something I learned in acting you never you, you know you never turn your back on the audience right right uh and it, it, there's, there's just all kinds of like little tiny stage things yeah. that comedians yeah, don't like, know until. Yeah. But th- that's why for a lot of comedians, them going up with their notes or whatever, they might be working on other things. Right. Like maybe they just need time on stage because they don't have enough. Like I, I, if there's a if if I don't like last night I did four open mics and I did karaoke and then I told jokes to the guys on the way home on the cable car and they laughed and laughed and laughed. They were great. Um, But so I performed a lot and I meant to be out performing all night and I didn't know what I was going to work on or do. I just did different stuff in every room and and that was great. But if if I don't feel like I want to do comedy, I don't do it. Right. Right. Like I won't put myself through an open mic if I don't want to be there. Now last night I wanted to be there. I wanted right. to be at four open and those mics. Are when you have when you do well. I wanted to grind. Yeah. Right. I was drinking, but right. like if tonight I'm not feeling it, I'm not gonna push it because why would you go perform if you don't feel like performing? No one's forcing you to be in an right. open mic. Right. If I was booked on a showcase, I would never bail. Like well, even if I'm deathly sick, I'll show up and be like, I'm doing this fucking show. But. I don't know. I think I'm gaining a little bit more perspective. Though. More, more well, stories things, about you know the the grinding thing though. I I, had, I, right? I grind like, on Tuesdays now. I see like grinding has so much value, but I see it hurting certain comics in town. Sure. Um, where a lot of the mics they're doing, they're not actually in front of crowds ever. Right. It's just the same comedian. So you get real good at making your buddies laugh. Right, which right. Is a, which is a skill and an art that's not to be underestimated. And you're going to network a lot. And sure. Get booked on some shows because people are going to see, oh, look, this dude's at every mic. You right, know? right, right, but right. I see it hurting a few comics where you see him. It's fascinating. The Sunday night punchline thing oh, is, uh-huh. is fascinating to watch comics go up, especially for their first time. Yeah. And you see Bail. the disconnect between their material and the crowd. And since Sunday nights at the punchline are fascinating shows. I used to go. I don't know. Because you'll hear how the back of the room will right. laugh at things that are completely different than the crowd. I've even been watching shows, the Sunday night show at the punch, where you're watching audience members right. turning around and looking at the comics laughing in the back going, we don't get this. Right, right, or, right. Or we don't think it's funny. Or we didn't watch that episode of Daredevil. We don't know the reference. Right, right, and right. And meanwhile, right, right. the back of the room, all their buddies are in the back of the room cheering them on, thinking they're so funny because they're great at doing that edgy open mic, there's three people here thing. Right. But then you get in front of date night right where these people are dressed up sure a lot of them are from out of town you know this is they're spending a hundred bucks to come see this show sure and they're going up there and going hey remember when hitler raped a feminist right uh, right right right, right, and right. The audiences are like oh, what's no. going on yeah exactly and you see they're the like package, no and then we you'll don't see comics go up and do hacky stuff oh. that crowds love. loved it love it. oh that audience is giving they them applause just break love it. they're yeah. like finally somebody is just singing into a mic 
microphone and doing a routine. This is great. Right. You know, they're not just talking about their dicks and, you know, whatever. Right. And it's such a breath of fresh air. And then you watch the back of the room be like, oh my God, did he just do a Jack Nicholson impression? Yeah. Lynch right. Him. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know, but that's the thing is, and, and, and we do, we get to insular trying to make comedians laugh and it doesn't matter what right. if comedians laugh or not it doesn't matter it does it you does. think it you think it matters well you have to be respected by your peers okay you know so it does it does matter it's just not the most important thing gotcha like you know like if it's a percentage it's 10% of the job you know so uh you told us the Buddhist story. Tell us another. What, hind, give me Hinduism in uh, in in a couple sentences. Don't have a lot of Hindi stories. That's one I never. never but did, if you were to, you said, did you study it for like three weeks? Uh, no, no, that's no, one that one I've you never, didn't do. No, no, my How favorite, about? But what about the Scientology? Did you study Scientology for three weeks? A little bit. Yeah, I more studied the people on that one because you start getting into this guy Ron Muscovich and the people that lead it huh. every time I get into religion yeah. this is why I believe in nothing nothing that's my religion I'm not even going to call myself an agnostic or an atheist because I don't want to believe in any group because of groupthink huh. so Scientology any religion if you study what groupthink is that is the scariest thing to me in society well like hymns are Christian group think if everybody's singing the same song if 400 right. people in a room right. are singing the same song the same praise the same whatever to to God or whatever if they're even chanting or reciting anything together there's a something that's right. created there's like an energy that exists which can be beautiful because it, it brings people together it makes you feel connected right. or what have right. you but but it's when still group it's, think, when groups scare me is I see this going on a lot right now in the Bay Area where <laughs> Um, I feel like we're more divided than ever. Oh, absolutely. And so this is what scares me. This is why I'll never even say I'm an agnostic or an atheist. I don't want to join any group because I just want to be able to make my decisions. But what scares me about what's going on around us, okay, is if I go to prison for, for committing a felony crime, Okay. Like what? Um, what? Like having weed? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Like you know. Yeah. It's let's not a say real crime. Weed yeah. is not a crime. Right. Right. But if I take that into the wrong state, now it is a crime, and I'm right. a, okay. So let's say I'm in jail. Okay. I'm a super progressive, liberal ass Bay Area person. Absolutely. Born and raised here, and it just so happens to be, um, to make it a race thing. Like most of the people that I don't like in the San Francisco comedy scene are the Caucasians. The people I think are rad happen to be of every other gender and race. So if I go to prison though, okay, maybe being a dude that doesn't identify with his own kind, I have no choice. In prison gang structure, if you know how it works, I have to side up with the white people. No oh, choice. No choice. No choice. Even though I might be looking at this other group, you know, I might be looking at the. I'm. I know there's yeah, no I know. Buddhist group in prison, right, right. but maybe I'm looking at the Buddhists and they're out there doing Zen gardens sure. and being peaceful. And I'm like, I want to join them. I would not be allowed to, because so these groups, you right. know, the, and then what happens in groupthink is like, let's say, um, you know, the Catholic Church says we put a ban on all gay marriage. Right. Now, all of a sudden, you know, I'm a 
let's say I'm a gay Catholic, I'm sitting there going, well, what the fuck? Right. You know, so groups always get into dangerous thinking because you get into this with us or against right, us. Right, that you, w- these are our beliefs and you have to believe them. And if you don't believe them, then there's something right. wrong with you. So religion, like right. you, you started off with, hey, if you don't believe what we believe, then you go to our version of punishment and hell. Right. And That's awful. If you be- and, and if you don't believe what I believe, historically speaking, likely if you go look at the Crusades, you know, which happened for hundreds yeah. of years. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. you don't believe what I believe, that makes you less than human. I could murder, rape, and steal from you and take your land, and that's okay. Sure. Because you just don't believe the right shit. <laughs> right, because you're some, or the color of your skin is and different. It's even the same though the thing Crusades was a long time people. ago, it's still kind of happening. Well, it's the same you thing know? that we like, we went to. We went to a different country. We went to Africa, and we said, uh, "You guys are darker, and you don't. You aren't people." Right. And we just said, "You're not people." And for some reason, everyone's like, "Yeah, you're not people." And we, as Americans, for years, were like, "This is the best. We get to make all his money. Right. We, we did, profited. We profit. Exactly. Yeah. And we're like, they're not people. But it's like, but it's and they're people. If we had any objections." Our group would not let us voice them. Exactly. So that's what's happening in all these groups that I see around. Is, sure. You know, like I'll see certain aspects of feminism where I've talked to a lot of women where they're like, well, um, I was a homemaker. You know, women that are older than us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, who are like, I was a homemaker. I didn't have a career. I raised my kids. I felt like I had a good life. Yeah, except that you don't get social security when you're so, a mom. So, no, and they have all these issues. It's you not, know? It's, it's just not, you're not being paid but for your what labor. what ends it's up like happening slavery. is if you don't believe in every little part of the party byline. Right. Then the other people in the group are going to attack you and cast you out. So all of a sudden you have to go along with things that maybe you might object to. Right. Yeah. Just because you're part of the group. So with religion, that's the first thing I noticed early on with religion. Yeah. Is religion has this awesome ability to bring people together. But throughout my life, the common thing is religion just drives people apart. Oh, absolutely. If you're not in my group, we're going to go to war with you and kill you. Yeah. That just makes no sense to me. Yeah. So I'm not subscribing to any of it. I'm going to be the hippie on the hill painting the picture of these people that believe in shit killing each other. Sure. You know, I have my beliefs, but I want to be able to take my beliefs on a basis where I want to be able to look at an issue and define my own feelings about it. Sure, and, and not because somebody else tells you what it is. Yeah. You see it on Facebook where Ugh. people are sharing articles that you know they haven't even read. Right. If they you can't, just like the title, you know, yeah. and they you know. So, but these, we're even taught as children: if you can't beat them, join them. Right. And I think that that's like the wrong. Mis- There's two messages that make me crazy that we give to kids. One of them is: if you can't beat them, join them. And the second one is: fake it till you make it. Uh, that, that, I hate both of those right, sayings. Right. And when kids just say that, fake it till you make it, I'm like, no, no, <laughs> be genuine, always be authentic. Like, why would you fake anything ever? Don't ever fake things. But we are, and especially religion teaches you. I mean. Being in Danville, being a Christian was like, I mean, it was all lies. It was, we were all pretending that we were perfect or that we were something that we weren't, or there was like so much artifice. The suburbs are, the, that, 
fake ass bubble they have going on out well, there. Don't you still live in Danville? No, I'm uh, no Santa Monica. I'm, I'm uh, in transit right now. Gotcha. So okay. let's just say I'm on my way to Texas. All right. See how things go over there. Awesome. But yeah, is but, it cheaper in Texas? Is it significantly less expensive? Supposedly, yeah. Are you gonna get a real job? Or are you gonna? You're just moving. You're taking all your shit. You're gonna right. get, you're gonna pick up a job somewhere and you're just right. gonna. I'll just get some kind of waiter job during the day, but no, I'm going there for for comedy. Comedy, yeah. And it might be a disaster. No, because I've intentionally I've researched the scene to make sure there's a scene. Yeah, absolutely. But Chris Canaster was there. I've intentionally I have so many potential connections there, yeah. and you know, there's a lot of ways that I could work the situation. Sure. But um, the art of comedy to me. I need to readjust for a couple years. Yeah. Have a new perspective. Well, and it's and such different audiences. In San what? Francisco, it's really hard to have a comedy perspective <laughs> on what's going because this is a weird bubble of its own. Right. Here, and, and we are, I where mean, we step we're edgy over as homeless fuck. people every day and it doesn't yeah. bother us. Right. And yet, go ahead and ask me about any fill in the blank issue. Right. And we'll get on our soapbox and tell you all about whatever it happens sure. to be. Yeah. You know? And meanwhile, we step over these human beings. Yeah. 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 That are sleeping in. 38 degree weather tonight in the San Francisco wind and cold and we don't give a fuck as long as we no longer have Monsanto's grown food we're good yeah, right as long as we've got our fucking organic kale right. so we fine. all have our little issues yeah you know like you know like I think about it all the time okay where I love my cat Yo, are you leaving your kitty lover no come with me oh good but the thing about that is like sometimes i look at these animal groups that are like give us money so we can rescue the herding animals mm -hmm. there's always this part of me that's like i love animals but i also love that human being that's sleeping in his own filth over there right can we fix that can we, fi can right. we do something about that like i know that cat is suffering but that cat is not as important to me as the suffering human being on the street. Right. So here in San Francisco, it's a weird-ass bubble. It is weird. Because we're, we're the richest people. And, and we, we have, have 7,500 people We all people think we're so woke yeah. here in the Bay Area. And I'm like, you are not woke if you can step over a homeless person and feel nothing. Well, and when you get out to Texas, it's going to be totally different, like what audiences are going to want to hear and what they're willing to hear. So I don't know so, what Texas is going to be like, but right. I'm going to get a new life perspective. Sure, sure. I've only seen California. Right. I've only seen what it's like to step over the homeless person on the street. Right. So I don't know what it's going to be like in Texas. I might hate it more. Than stepping over the homeless person. I have research. They don't have the huge homeless problem. Well, I wonder why. They do have a homeless. Well, they have a system in place. Mm. But the problem is, there's a lot of problems here. Oh, there. My God. That so many are tied into it being a sanctuary city. Oh. Okay. Yeah. You know, that, you know, there's these things where there's a direct correlation between that and homeless, which I'm not going to be able to make the proper argument right now. Yeah. But I've seen the studies. Yeah. Where they're like, oh. You know, like, so there's all these things going on where we just have a massive homeless problem. Yeah. And nobody cares. Well, That's I, what I'm seeing. I'm not seeing anyone lifting a fucking finger to help the homeless. I'm just watching the shanty towns grow bigger. Right. Bigger. Isn't it crazy? I'm just watching it grow. Okay. Well, I know Occupy Occupy 19th caring. Street. It's um, it's so, it's so funny because it's it's de it's in this neighborhood too. And we, as I walk by it, I joke about it with people, but. We'll be like, Occupy 19th Street. Oh, it's Occupy Harrison, <laughs> Occupy Folsom. And they have to move their tents because 
the police come right. around and they basically I've say watched it happen, yeah. they come by and they say you have two hours sometimes they say they're sometimes they're nice and they say you have two hours right and then they right. take their things and away sometimes they do it like no you're leaving right, right now, now and we're gonna stand here and, while, yeah, you pack while you your pack shit your stuff up. and it's very dehumanizing absolutely to even the cops because even yeah, the they cops, don't want to do that you know the people that probably could talk to us the best about the homeless situation in san francisco are the cops sure because they're the ones dealing with them and watch the looks on the cops face when they have to make them do that yeah you they're know, not they're this not kid that grew up it. about becoming officer poncherello yeah. or you know die hard you know sure. or being a wanted know, to be a detective he to save lives yeah and now he's here moving human filth from one filthy urine infested street corner to another right and meanwhile we're so woke here but we don't you know whatever that human being suffering from maybe they fought in a war yeah maybe they have a terrible drug addiction right maybe they were abused by their stepfather sure to the maybe point where they they're not functioning in society had to leave their a million reasons people there's end up, so many so many right, reasons million reasons so many people reasons. end up on the street and a million reasons why we can all just walk right past it and not well, care the thing that makes me crazy we have so many buildings right now that are kind of vacant like if you look at the transamerica building like half the floors no one's on them like there's vince chuang pointed it out the best we were walking through the city one night and they have like all like this little like home display with the mannequins sleeping in it and it's like just for the stores so the rich people and the millennials and the dot-comers can go buy the stuff and meanwhile here's this vacant space that's got a bed right yeah, right? it's and a got bathroom. shelter. Sure. Yeah, sure. There's a window. Everyone can see what you're doing. But let's put someone in there. Right. He's like, how about we do a mannequin exchange program? This is Vince's thing. Oh, that's mine. so funny. But, right. You know, we could yeah. easily be, you know, fixing problems with all the vacant space we have. Yeah. The yeah. resources yeah. that are we available. We have the resources available. We could do something about this. But we're also worried about. Mm, this is my little issue about religion. I'm gonna go march in the street. About right. It. Yeah. You know? And we're also woke here about the wrong things sure and meanwhile as a nation we're at war right i know well no not it's a never-ending war we're it's technically it's never an official war declared we're we're, we're technically and we're officially in operations and skirmishes we're not technically right so we it's what's in 1984 they called the never-ending wars in the george orwell book yeah so we're now in that situation of a never-ending war so a lot of people are being killed with American drones, this, and this we make, don't care. This makes me crazy because we we go into places like Syria right. and uh, we bomb. A, I don't understand why we have to destroy. I mean, I get it why we would destroy stuff because then we go in with contractors and we rebuild and we make money. So of course it right. makes money, but it makes Halliburton me crazy. Halliburton was the biggest profiter. It, it makes me crazy that we spend money on bombs. Right. To go, like, why wouldn't we spend money on like helping the people in these exactly. nations? Instead of spending a million dollars on a bomb, we exactly. could give them a million dollars. Instead of using a bomb to blow something up right. and then come back with American contractors and make money off it, right. we could just put money in the infrastructure that already exists. Right. Right. Why are we doing that? Right. Or my thing is, is let's not stop building all the bombs. Let's just like, like, cause we need to defend ourselves as a country. Historically speaking, there's a weird thing where a country has to have a military. <laughs> Okay, if you look at what happens historically to countries with no military, it doesn't work out that well. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, 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 for yeah, example, yeah. when people started coming to here, to the Americas, um, that was a system of people that didn't have an organized military. Right. And look what happened. Well, and there... You know, so you need, you need to be able to defend yourself. But my thing is, is there's so much bureaucracy in our system. Every time someone wants to have a march 
over the name of Jesus. Yeah. Or every time people in the city want to go have a march, that costs the city millions of dollars. Oh, and it ruins traffic. And it ruins traffic. It, it fucks up the workflow. And bottom line is... Messes up the buses. It really, it just completely That's my point with that we think we're so woke. But every time we have a march... That's marching, that's taking money away from fixing the problem right. in a weird way. Right. Sure, we build awareness for the fact like, oh, look, we can all run around in the streets naked because we believe in something. But right. meanwhile, here's this person that has tatters of clothing and is essentially naked in a very cold city because he can't afford anything. Right. And your march, they got to set up police uh, barricades, right? You've seen right. what they have to do. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. city has to get involved in those marches and police barricades and crowd control and that costs so much money. Well, it was like when the Super Bowl was here and they Gosh. they had well, 4 sports, million sports everything stops for well, sports. They had 4 million dollars. Sports is the real religion in it, our country. Absolutely. You want to get into religion? I, I know sports it, is the real and religion. And you know what? NFL re-brought up their religious amazingness uh, by fantasy football. Right. It makes Take it home. It makes everything yep. cuz they all cuz now you feel Instead of just liking a team. So it used to be a community thing where right. like, I'm from San Diego. I love San Diego. Super Chargers. And now they're in Atlanta. But I'm now like, this is you. your team. So it was my, right. Yeah, so, but now it. you actually get to have your own team, which is other teams. So it makes you want to watch all four days of football. Right. My boyfriend does it and he has right. two teams. And no, so he has to watch all those things. Yeah. Because he's and got. they're fanatical sports people that's my thing he knows you can't understand how much Jonathan knows about football it's oh, insane yeah, yeah. he knows all the names of all the players yeah. I'm like how come you can remember that shit uh, but you I can't remember he oh he loves uh, <laughs> soccer uh, well football and um, football, and football yeah. Football and football, and but we both like the Warriors, so okay. it's fine. I can get I can get down with the Warriors, but I just can't get down with NFL. I can't get down with it. Also, because of what they did here when they did Super Bowl City, so they gave the city four million dollars to clear out the homeless. Now right. there were a lot of different people who had a lot of different ideas. One of them, which I thought was the best one, was to give them all yurts. Okay, these yurts were made of felt, and they were like four hundred bucks a pop. And we could have given everyone a yurt. It has a door and it has a window and it has a roof and it's a little bedroom thing and it is easily take apartable and put up a board. And they right. and they could have put it out out by candlestick. There's right. nothing out there. They could have just said, here, you all have yurts now. Here are bathrooms. Mm -hmm. Here's your yurts. Mm -hmm. Okay, live over here. Right. They could have actually had a housing solution, which then they would have a yurt that they could take with them and they would have a little bit of housing. Like, hey, listen, y'all got to live here until the game's over. Right. Because you're going to horrify you, the suburbans if they come here and see this. But what so, they did instead is they gave them all vouchers for hotel rooms in Daly City. <laughs> so they moved them from downtown. They moved them oh my God, out of the tender. Can you imagine room. working at that hotel in Daly City? So they moved oh, the got, cleanup afterwards. They oh. got them all vouchers and buses oh and they God. bust them out for the week oh my God. so they spent four million dollars right. in the dumbest way possible just to just to just get to out of here clean for clean up the pr just just, to, just make it look that's just window shine basically yeah. that's just window dressing and they had and the other thing that was crazy right. is they could have employed them because so when you walked down market street every different they had all these huge things that they built and they all had big screen TVs so there's like three big screen TVs on each of these so there's probably like oh I don't know I'm gonna say and I'm not exaggerating there were probably a thousand big screen TVs on the street so each one of those had a person that had to stand there 24 hours a day all week because they didn't want them to get stolen right so I'm like this is it, the money was insane 
But the problem is that we threw money at a problem and didn't even try to solve it. Like right. Didn't even right. pretend. No, we just wanted to fix the problem for the week. For the week. That was all it was. Was here's the temporary. But that's kind of that's the problem with the homeless problem is I've put so much thought into it. <laughs> For real, like yeah. three years of thought yeah. of coming to the city on a daily basis and thinking about it. And I still don't have the solution. Right. And I've, uh, you know, I've looked at articles and, you know, watched videos of people talking about it. And I've tried to figure out what the solution is. Oh, is it compassion? It's, is well, it, what would, what would like well, Mother Teresa is, say? She'd come here and be like, this is like Calcutta. The solution is, is the society is figuring out the closest thing that I've gotten to a solution is you got to prevent people from becoming homeless. Right, 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 right. right you know what right, I mean? Right, That's right, the thing is we got to fix our culture. Right. We all think we're so woke, you know, but we got to fix our culture that, for example, the number of uh, military vets mm. that come back and mm -hmm. fight our war that become homeless or just kill themselves. Right. It's staggering. Yeah. Okay. And so we need to, that guy, when he comes back to American soil, we need to have a group of people going, all right, bro, we know that you watched your buddies die. We know you had to kill people. And we know just being in the desert for three years with flesh-eating spiders sucked. <laughs> what can we do for you? <laughs> right? right? Like, what can we do to make sure that you're not sleeping on a street corner in San Francisco right. in two years? Well, and it's because... Alcohol, alcohol abuse becomes a big issue, right. and then there can always there's like a DUI that will shortly follow. And well, let's follow this up the yeah. chain. Right. If we solved the perpetual war problem, we wouldn't have. Or we just weren't back. going to all these wars. Yeah. Then we could solve the home a portion of the homeless problem. Right. Because there's a big part of the homeless problem. This is the sad part. The guy that's asking you for money and has a sign is the guy that needs help the least. He wants to okay, heroin, the right? really, truly tragic homeless people are just the people quietly freezing in a corner somewhere. You see yeah, them. Yeah. You know, but these people, they get into their shanty towns, and now you're in another society. Sure. You kind of do have a job. you got to bring stuff back to the shanty town at the end of every day. Right. And there is a portion of the homeless, where I've studied it, where you're just like, oh, this is just drugs. Sure. You're just, this is your fault you're here. <laughs> you, you know? This is just drugs, And now yeah. you're still, you're now you're committing crime out on the streets. Sure. And seeing, like, you know, on 6th Street in front of Oh Showdown, my God, 6th Street. I used to stand there and watch the people selling all the stuff they stole. Right, yeah. Right, that's Someone tried to right sell me. in front of our open mic. They tried to sell me a $15 bottle of Hornitos yesterday. A nice young gentleman <laughs> said, well, a bottle of Hornitos, 15 bucks. And I'm like, I don't like tequila, thank you, sir. Right. But he obviously, I was like, what, did you steal it from Costco? Like, where does it? <laughs> you know, I always stop and look at what they have for sale. Sure. Always. Because I want to know who got robbed from today. <laughs> who got robbed from today. That's what they're selling. Yeah, it's absolutely they're, true. They're, they're, they literally have the suitcase and they just open the suitcase. Yeah. Like, if you look, they steal someone's suitcase and they don't even hide the fact this is all stolen shit. Sure, sure, sure. And they're selling a 12-year-old girl's entire wardrobe with the charm bracelet. Sure. And, like, some... Uh, there some were some like, great shoes, actually, the other day. I almost, I almost bought some shoes right. on the street. Oh, I've... I they were nice go, tennis I shoes. I will buy something from one of them someday yeah. just for the life experience. Yeah. And, you know, but there's a whole business. Absolutely. That's going on with the homeless here. That well, they have to survive somehow. Right. What so, are we? And then because we, I mean, we do have a lot of free food in this city, which is great. There's a lot of opportunities to eat. Right. So, that's so we're really hooking helpful. them up. We're, we're just basically sustaining them now. Sure, sure. On taxpayer dollars. And then that's where you start getting into a whole new murky waters. Why are you, you know? just about spending the money right? So I have an idea. Right. Let's see how float this by and see if you like okay. it. 
So they are changing over the buses right now, the Muni system. And they're, they've been touting it out. They've been saying, oh, by 2019, we're going to have our whole fleet will be new buses. So I say, what are they doing with those old buses? So what I think they should do is find some land. We have plenty of land in places. I mean, Bayview probably isn't the best, but there's lots and lots of places. But if we took buses, like five buses, right. and stacked them on top of each other, and had like spiral staircases around the outside. Mm. You could divide each bus in half and it'd be like two little apartments. Right. You could, so we could actually create, so I would say stack, stack five buses on top of each other and make like three towers. So like 15 (laughs) buses, right? And in the center, you have like a childcare facility and you have a mail room and you have a big everyone I don't know if everyone could have their own bath I think everyone should be able to have their own bathrooms and their little things but down in the center it would be like you know showers and stuff and maybe a pool I don't know Uh, make it fancy but like a barbecue pavilion so like people can cook outside with with groups and the kids can play but it would be creating jobs so you'd first you'd be reusing something which I like second it would be like hey um you have to be, I mean, I don't want to say drug free because people smoke pot, but I mean, it's, what? Just, no, the, it's like the reason that there is a lot of these people because there are meth, heroin. So that's the know, thing is you don't necessarily uh, want that, but you right. can't, the thing is you can't move ahead if you don't have a PO box. Like if you right, are homeless right. and you don't want to be homeless anymore right. and like you have kids or you're trying and you're in the shelter system and you've been doing everything right, but it's just not working. Like. I feel like that would be the type of place where it's like, here you go, we're giving you a P.O. box, here's an apartment, you know, do it, it's like a three-month trial, and if it's successful, they can stay for another three, so you're giving them like a a lease, unless there's certain rules, like, you know, but whatever, but it'd be creating jobs, because you'd have to have somebody there to make sure that they're kind of policing it, that's the wrong word, but then there'd also be like childcare, so people could go to work, so it'd be job creating for people, so that they could have a childcare near their home. It kind of sounds almost like when you're describing this, like what the creations of the ghettos must have been described like a hundred years ago. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, hey, listen, we're going to take this undesirable group and we're just going to go put them in this neighborhood here, you see? (laughs) And we're going to give them healthcare and a structure, but it's not going to be our problem, you see? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like, no, I think it's a beautiful idea. I do. But I think that that could easily turn into just another ghetto or like sure. even worse like a Mad Max or Brave New World you ever read Brave I New love, World I love it's one of my favorite books okay. of all time yeah. it, it kind of almost sounds like you're creating the Savage Lands sure there. it's just you it's know what 30, I mean where, basically hey, it's 30 here but if you can't hack it then just outside the gates with you right and but it's 30 you know, apartments wouldn't it be amazing to have it would be but and not shelters because shelters are the worst because they have right. to be in by a certain time and they have to be out by right, a certain time right. and if you're not in in time and once you're there you can't leave right. so if you're in by 8 sometimes you can get like a late pass and come back up until 11 but you, there's no in and out after 11 o'clock right. and so the morning it's like it's kind of like jail you know, the more I think about your idea, in a weird way, there is a beauty to it, where it's the Savage Lands, sure. But, hey, go fend for yourself, go find a new way, because this is what um, is the interesting thing about homelessness, that I don't think can be argued, is that as human beings, you have to do something, <laughs> right, or else you're homeless. Well, okay, in order to have a roof over your head, you have to do something. 
Okay, right. the, uh, essentially, uh, unless you have like a severe handicap or you're real good at working the system. But for the most part, uh, that's kind of the way the human ra race works. Is like uh, you see it in a wolf pack. Oh. You know, if a wolf isn't good at hunting and it screws it up every time, they just kick it out of the pack. <laughs> right? Yeah. So that's what's just naturally happening in society is we're, is if you, for whatever reason, drugs or PTSD or mental illness, whatever reason, you're not able to contribute into the pot every day. Right. Then society runs out of its use for you. Well, but that's what humanity is. And like right. humans, we have to do. We so have to create. We have to do something. That's the only solution that I've thought to homelessness is, okay, we have to prevent them from becoming homeless. Right. Which means nurturing our society in such a way. Yeah. Which, you know, which... You know, it'd be interesting. I like to talk about to women specifically in San Francisco that I know are feminists about yeah, this. Yeah. Okay. Which is the question I'm always asking when I'm out wandering the streets. I walk all over San Francisco with my eyes wide fucking open. Where do the women go? Because I the the homeless epidemic in San Francisco, it's pretty much men. I no, I do see I female see homeless, but not at the numbers. Okay, when we walk down the streets and counteract mine, I'm it's gonna, I'm ten gonna to count. one. You it's think it's my ten count? One? That's my count. Okay, from walking around in the streets and yeah. now that you're looking for it, because I've planted the seed for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah. women, the homeless women, are gonna stick out like a sore thumb. Sure, I want to because they're so few and far between. Yeah. So that's my question: is what's wrong with our society while we're out in the streets marching for feminist rights? Um, I just want to know where the why it's all men that are homeless huh. and why aren't we nurturing those dudes? Interesting. Okay, that's like, a really good question. I'm not taking stances here because no, I'm not no, a no, joiner. No. I'm not an anti-feminist sure, sure. and I'm not a feminist. I'm not joining any groups. That's my question, though, to the feminists of San Francisco and to you: yeah, is weird. where are the women going? Why are the women being clearly taken care of somewhere? Sure. Well, it's when I, the men are forced to starve out. I, in the I think that it's because the women are usually have the children. So there's a place, mm, right. there's the Hamilton family center is a, um, it's a, a shelter that it's like you live in it. Um, right. it's, they live there 24, they give them apartments and it's, but it's only for homeless families. families. You have to have So if children. you can knock out a kid, if you're fertile and you can complete a life to completion, right. then society is going to kind of look out for you. Uh, yeah, I think absolutely. And if you're a dude and you have a rifle in your hand and you get sent to a third world country and you go murder people, we have no place for you. We have no you. place for you. I know, it's, so I, that, that, it's crazy. some gender issues that we never talk about when we're marching for our feminist issues. Sure, sure, and sure. And my whole thing is we're marching past homeless men. Right, 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 right. Okay, that literally, we're, these are my rights. And I'm looking and I'm looking at all these homeless men and I just right, want right. to know so some of them have if so if you're fertile and you can carry a kid to completion society kind of takes care of you I, I think but that, that that's can't the be thing. all the women where do the rest of the women go well <laughs> and now here's the other I thing just, is that I question. think it's harder for women to be homeless because you just sleep with someone and fuck and them. it gets rapey well no it, but you know, that's the it, thing is as a woman if you don't have a place to live you get a boyfriend. Do you know what I mean? And I don't want to be a terrible see, feminist and put it but back. But this is, well, this is where but, feminism, you could start poking holes. Well, in. exactly. Well, that's the thing is that, but that's, it's the easiest, you know, we were taught as women that we're supposed to go from our father's house to our husband's, our husband's house, house or whoever. Right, so right. it's like, we would never think that we could take care of us. Like I take care of myself. Oh my God. What a feminist. But I mean, that would be the thing. 
if I ever lost my apartment, I would move in with my boyfriend. Do you right, know what I mean? Right. Like it's that easy. You and see, if I so don't have a boyfriend, that clearly wasn't available to it these. It isn't a, right. They don't because and especially if they're come from they've got the PTSD and they've got the war stuff they're not gonna this, this, right. a lady with a house is right. not gonna put up with that shit well, she's gonna be also, like also just to throw this into the argument as well women don't fight in combat right so they are maybe not maybe there's a get, couple of real aggressive females that are leading the charge but no for the most part so there's a lot going on sure there's all, a lot so yeah. what happens though when you join a group is you just said something clue that I want to key in on with the group thing right. is you're like oh I have to be a good feminist right you said something like that in there, like, I'm oh, a terrible feminist, here's this yeah. man that just made a point, but I'm kind of having a hard time agreeing because it doesn't follow the party line. Right. Well, that's, and I so, go against feminism all the time. I got so much backlash last week about the right. Louis C.K. thing because of the oh, way I say I have a really good female friend in San Francisco who is the most hardcore feminist I've ever known. Yeah. I respect her. When she starts talking about the man stuff, I just shut up and listen. Because <laughs> I'm like, holy shit, you walk the walk, you talk the walk. She's like a dude in a lot of ways, you yeah. know, but she's still a woman. Right. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, this is the walking, breathing example of it. And it's interesting to watch the other what I call Victoria's Secret feminists sure, attack sure. her. Yeah, uh-huh. It's well, it's the difference between. I'm like, mm, aren't we with our lipstick and our high heels attacking the real fucking badass woman over here for not being feminist? And, right. And people told me that I was a bad feminist because right. I said, right. I said that Louis C.K. You know what? If he wants to jack off in front of me, I would love it as long as he talks about his pathetic little wiener. Like, tell me jokes about your sick little... As long as it's funny while he's yeah, like... Yeah, as long as it looks like... Give, stick your little troll dick out and hunch over yourself and masturbate. That's fun. I'll make fun of you while you're doing it. So he wouldn't do it in front of me because I'd be like, yeah, man, whip it out. Oh, fucking he'd love sweet. it. If you were insulting him, well, that's what he's looking for. So I would, I would love. That's why he. Th- this, I'd he's see, like, it's fine. Fu- I mean, come yeah. on. The thing is that, and then people say that I'm a bad feminist because I say, if you're going up, they, they were the friends. They were friends. Now, too. You're about to ask my question, though. Wait, if you're, you're going upstairs at three o'clock in the right, morning with Louis C.K. hotel room, or yeah, or right. with. Or with Kobe Bryant, or so, with insert famous person right. here. If you're going up there at three in the morning, you think they're after your scintillating conversation? Right. Fucking hubris of you, you pretentious cunts. You think you're so fucking awesome that this famous person is like, I'm just right. in for some scintillating conversation. Now they want to do something sexual with you, dummy. Right. Like, if, if Louis C.K. asked me to go up to his thing, the, I'd be you like, know, you yeah, assume, you're going to jack oh, off in front sex. of me. Yeah. And did they ask him, hey, am I coming up to your place to write jokes? We weren't there. But we don't know what the conversation was. We don't know the conversation. Maybe Louis C.K. was like, hey, uh, you know, I'm this great comedy writer. And if you need some help punching up your act, stop on by my, my room. We can work till the sun comes up. I'll right, help you right. with your act. Sure. But why I would he do that? I doubt that's what the conversation right. was. The conversation was a bunch of drunk people mm-hmm. in the back of a comedy club, and Louis C.K. going, "Hey, uh, come on up come to my up room 109." And so, what's the insult here? That he didn't try to fuck him? Yeah, because yeah. you went up to you know. So I know that's not a feminist way to think, but or whatever. And, and no, I, but hey, I've never gone to a hotel room in the middle of the night without something nefarious going on. Sure. <laughs> right? right? That just, there's no reason, you know what I mean, for right. you to go to somebody else's hotel room ever I, we, unless sex and drugs and the rock and roll lifestyle are involved. And if you're going to do drugs, cool. And what? But my, the whole thing is that it's, 
how, what a, it's just like, how great do you think you fucking are? You're like, seriously, you think that if someone's bringing you to a hotel room and you really, like, oh, I feel like he took advantage of me. Are you kidding me? Right. Like, Okay, so you were, and, and I guess being drunk isn't an excuse, and that's people should never take advantage of people, blah, blah, no, blah. Man. But, like, you know, I know. I, saying so that you don't know is being right. stupid. And he did these, okay, the Tignataro thing's unforgivable. What did he do to Tignataro? Uh, he helped her with all that stuff, but then. From what I understand, but she's gay, okay, isn't see, she? This is, but I, he did the same shit to her. He's gay. Where he's she's like, gay, hey, watch me do this. Okay. You know? Yeah. And so, but from what I understand, that was in a more professional setting, Mm -hmm. like an office or something. Oh. And this is where the lines blur as comedians. Sure. As we're entertainers. Is, you know, what happens at a hotel room, it's not what happened up on stage. And also, with the Louis C.K. thing that I have a hard time understanding, I don't know enough about it to take a stance anyway. Sure. But the part that I have a hard time understanding is like, who was really hurt Yeah, right. at three in the morning <laughs> when they went to his hotel room and he showed it to him? From what I understand, it made him look bad sure. in the moment. Like, from what I read about it, they were looking at each other going, really? Right. You know what I mean? Like, really? so all it did was make him look bad, right. but he wasn't forcing himself on anybody. No, he just wanted to masturbate. He, he just—it's gross. It's stupid. It's pathetic. It's laughable, but it's in terms of again, where's the victim when you compare what these two women went through at their hotel room? Mm-hmm. To what that guy right around the corner is gonna deal with tonight? Right, right. I'm like, maybe is this society a little bit less outrage about Louis C.K. Right, right. and a little bit more outrage about the homeless problem? Right, right. Or the never or the, war, or the opiate addiction. Uh, the, the opiate problem. Right. Sixty-eight thousand people right, died last right, year from right. opiate yeah. overdose. Or That's- nationwide, all the people that are in jail for smoking a plant. Right. You know, and all these issues that we're just, as a society, because of Facebook, because it's so much more fun to share your outrage about Louis C.K. than your outrage about us dropping drone bombs on people. Absolutely. Okay, so we're all going for that fun, scintillating news clip it instead of actually worrying about what's real. Because it's so, you know, I, I get sucked into it too. You can hear it happening to me right now, where this is why society's so further apart than ever right because we have feminists that are getting more and more extreme so we started in a place where like 10 years ago i would be like yeah i'm a feminist too sure i'm all i'm all for it but now with all the extreme nature of things it's at a place where i'm like whoa i'm not sure i can get in this march because i'm not sure what we're even marching for i didn't do the women's march i I have a hard time what, what were they marching for what specific goals? Uh, this is what I, I think just it's didn't to understand. Pro- it was, I think it was just to be mad at Trump because he's abused, because right. he's a pussy grabber. So were they saying let's impeach Trump? No, they were, were just they we saying, were just marching let's saying get we're women. more money about uh, gender education in schools. Yeah, no. it just looked to me like a march that a bunch of people had that cost the city a couple million dollars. When we I remember it was raining dollars. that day too, and the buses. <laughs> I was on the bus and it wasn't moving, and I got off the bus and walked in the rain because it was just like. It, it was impossible. It was right. just the city was at a standstill, and people kept asking me, "Why weren't right. you part of the women's march? Why weren't you part of?" The, and I'm like. I just, I, I don't, the other thing is I don't like crowds because 
I don't like sniper rifleists. Right. Do you know what no, I mean? No, like, no, I don't. No. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm the same way. The only way I want to be in a crowd is if I'm on stage in front of them. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I don't like That's, being in. Yeah. Get, so like people keep saying, oh, are you going to go to Folsom? Or are you going to go to Gay Pride? Or get, no, I'm not well, going to go be go to where there's of tons of Even people. Even when they had the weed day on Hippie Hill, whatever oh. their marches are about here, I'm always like just thinking we're marching about the wrong stuff as a civilization i just want to go tell my jokes right. so i'm not getting myself letting myself get sucked into it you know but what where i see us going as a society i'm just sitting back going oh this isn't gonna be good no. this is gonna well, be bad I, you know I, if every group just hates each other i thought the point in the 90s it felt like we were going the right way Right? One love. Where it was just like one love, everybody yeah. love each other, and everybody just accept each other for who they are. But now, it's like, like the prison situation I brought up earlier. Yeah. I feel like that's what society's making me do. They're like, Brian, you have to choose. Right. Are you gonna be a feminist or are you gonna be a Nazi? <laughs> are you? Which gonna, is it? Yeah. Are you gonna? You know? be and a, I'm like, well, I'm not. Are either. you a Black Lives Matter? Are you an All Lives Matter? Are right. you a what are, what are you I'm, Ginger I'm just, Lives Matter? You I'm just a dude matters. that knows that some of the worst, biggest assholes I've ever met, I've known from every race that I've ever met. Throw any race out there that I've had a lot of contact with. I've known one of the most amazing people I've ever met from that race, and I've known an asshole from that race. Sure. Let's you just know? people. So, right. So, yeah. So I'm looking at a society right now where we're like, oh, we're drawing these lines deeper and deeper and deeper. Yeah. But we're forgetting about the fact that, you know, like, okay, Mr. White guy who loves Trump, you might be right about whatever this particular issue is, but you're still an asshole. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Just like that guy who's asshole. like Black Lives Matter. He might be right about his issue, but that doesn't mean that he's a cool person. Right. And that he gives and that he doesn't also step over homeless black people. <laughs> right? Like I think about that. Yeah. You know, like what what as an African American man, what are you thinking walking around the city when you step over a black guy? Fuck that guy? Because that's basically what everyone's think thinking is we, fuck that guy. We I, all step over him and we don't and we ignore it. I think we're somehow taught to desensitize. Right. Well and, and I even remember coming my father used to work at the Chronicle Examiner. Uh, on fifth and now it's like a Yahoo and a fucking square <laughs> the, or something. The of Yahoo and yeah. But it's at um, <laughs> it's at a mission and uh, fifth street. And he worked at the, used to be the Chronicle examiner and the newspaper agency. And so he was coming into the city in the seventies and then the eighties. And I would come in with him sometimes from BART and we would walk from BART down fifth street, down Powell. And then, uh, to, to his work. And I, as a child, I'd see people and I'd want to give them money. I'd be like, Daddy, but he goes, Pam, let me tell you the thing about these homeless people. I've been working here for 15 years. That guy's been there for 15 years. That same guy. I see him every day. He's always asking for money. It's like, as I go to my job and work, and, work right. and I take the BART from Danville, and we come here, and every right, day for right. 15 years, I'm at work. I step over this guy. And he always has a different dog or a different cat. Mm -hmm. and, but he's and, got pets and he's he surviving. He tried and, to desensitize me right, to it. I mean, right. I even remember being little and going to Mexico and having change. And the little street kids were like, De Niro, De Niro, whatever. So I started giving them the change that was in my bag because I don't fucking right. care. I'm a rich little girl from, you know, Danville, right. whatever. And all of a sudden, all these children are following yeah. us. And I'm having a fun time. I'm throwing money at them. I'm yeah. like, Whoa! This is fun. This know. is fun, mom. This is fun. And she's like, oh my God, now we have to go into a store to get away from these urchins. Right, right. And so 
like my impetus as a child was to be like, look at what's happening here. I have all of this money. I just want to give it to them. Right. And she's like, no, don't give poor people your money. And in the city, I see poor people and I'm like, dad, why are you... Pam, don't give poor people your money. See, this is a real gray area, though, because in a lot of ways, I agree with your parents. Because there is an aspect of this where you said it. Okay, what happens is you give, you, you know, you find the one person that really looks like they're suffering and they need it. So you give them some money. And the next thing you know, three more people are coming over, going, oh, I'm suffering, I need it too. Right. I guarantee you that last person you give money to, they don't need it. <laughs> you know, so this is one of the problems that I see as I'm always trying to solve the homeless situation in sure. San Francisco. Yeah. I'm always thinking about it. I'm going to be thinking about it the whole time I'm in the city tonight. Yeah. You know, um, but the thing is, is if you do just give them a handout, um, like it, it, let's say I have a pack of cigarettes. If yeah. I gave a, pack, a cigarette to everyone that asked, I would have none. You, you're right, and they're expensive now. And they're expensive. So yeah. that's the one argument. But then the other argument, too, is I worked for those. Right. Like your dad's argument. And right. this guy's just sitting here, just having a great old day, not clocking in, not having to kiss a boss's ass, not having to pay bills, not have to sit in a commute. And now I'm supposed to just hand it to him. And right. so this is where welfare states become a gray issue. Okay, because we need to take care of people. I've sat here for like goddamn close to an hour now saying we got to take care of the homeless people somehow. Right, 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 right. But the way to do it, I firmly believe, isn't just to throw money at them and say go away. We need right. to give them the skills. Right, right, right. As human beings, somehow to function in some degree. Uh, during the Great Depression. This is real controversial the D D D DPW shit. DPW, or Department of Public Works. Right, where we, we created the civilian concert, so yeah, Yosemite yeah, yeah. Right. and stuff. Uh, have you been hiking at Yosemite? Yeah, it's beautiful. Have you seen the trails they built with the rocks up yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. You know it's what I mean? The CCC, the whatever. Right, the Civilian Conservation, Conservation Corps. Corps yeah. Okay, and it's basically like being in the army, and you just took all these people, you gathered them up, and you put them, instead of fighting a war, you're cleaning up a forest. Right. All our forests need cleaning. Okay, and then this is the thing, though, is when you come out of the Civilian Conservation Corps, you have these work skills, you're sober, you're ready to return to society. Sure. Okay, and that, and it actually, like, worked. Yeah. The reason why people are, like, not against that is if you say anything like that, that's socialism and communism. I know, I'm so into and, that. Socialism and I'm and against socialism and communism also. Oh, I love it. I'm all, I'm all about I'm, socialism. I'm all against it, actually. Because, well, here's the thing. I love on paper. Yeah, of course. Socialism. Paper's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. It turns into fascism oh, pretty quickly. Yes. Right? Yeah. Exactly. So I, I have I, a biblical reference I would for that. be a socialist if I thought it was something we could actualize. Right, if it wasn't. It, right. in, in the Everything praxis. Everything belongs to everybody sounds beautiful. Right. But what's going to end up happening is it's going to, all the people in San Francisco that are signing up for the socialism are going to get the fascism. Sure. And yeah, because it, it's it, it inevitably. Speaking, turns into that so there's a yeah. story actually in the bible that is the first socialism story and it's the first socialism story that turns into fascism it's in acts acts uh, it's the fifth book of the new Testament, uh new testament and it's about the creation of the new church and they say to everyone in the church everyone take all of your money and everything sell everything and give it to us and then we're going to take care of everyone. Right. Okay. So they do that. And then this one guy and his wife, they say, ha, 
we're not going to tell the church about this piece of land yes, that we sold yes, and we're going to keep the money. Yeah. So then the church finds out and they say, hey, dude, come in and talk to us. Did you sell that piece of land and not tell us? And he says, no, I didn't do that. And then God strikes him down. <laughs> oh, I don't think God struck him down. Yeah. I think everybody killed yeah, him. Yeah. Then they bring his wife in. They go, it says that uh, God struck him down and he was carried out of the building by the people. I think he was carried out of the building and killed. Okay. Right, so right. then they bring the wife in and they say, hey, you and your husband, you had that piece of land. Is it Potiphar? Is it Potiphar and Potiphar's wife? I don't remember uh, what their names were. But um, did you sell that piece of land? And she says, no, no, I didn't do that. And they're like, ah, you also will be struck down by God. And then she's dead too. And it's the first, it's like socialism in the Bible right. that then immediately right. turns into fascism. Right. Like, if you don't believe the way right. we believe, we're killing you. Right. Well, exactly. <laughs> That's ex- And historically speaking, what also is going to happen with the iPhone culture we're in. Oh, God. I, I'm never getting a smartphone. And they're going to make us get into tiny houses I, with I our lo- tiny little entertainment. Sure. And, uh, oh, I like them too. But I love if my you want to think about how to put people in a box... Figure out how to make them enjoy that box. Sure. You know, so I think what we're all, the very nature, if you go into communism and fascism, is useful idiots. <laughs> Well-meaning idiots. Sure. Right? And I see a lot of that going on around me, where people are like, let's just fix these problems, you know, but we're taking the lazy route. Where we're not, we're, we're treating symptoms of things sure. instead of the problems. Well, we're not at the root of it. And, and, and we, we fucked up our education system uh, because right. of No Child Left Behind. But 2000 to, to 2008 into was just a shit a show. Socialism. Would be great, but okay. it'll never happen. Would mean those rich people uh, in yeah. our country right now, the billionaires, yeah, the yeah. 1%. Sure. Giving over everything. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? So we're, I don't we're think killing any- what's happening is the people are trying to kill the upper class. Hell yeah. But what they did was they killed the middle class. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. And now we're going to have a fascism. So congratulations. Anyone that owned a boat, you slapped a luxury tax on him. Well, there was a lot of middle class people that just had a little boat and they liked to go water skiing in the summer. Yeah, they don't. You know, and it was good for the economy when they did that. Sure. Well, uh, you know, so we've destroyed the middle class. I don't think that anybody needs to make more. It's just going to be rich or poor. I don't think anyone needs to make more than a million dollars a year. I think that making more than a million dollars a year is insane. There's no way. I couldn't even conceptualize. I can't even imagine making $60,000 a year. It would be so much money for me that I have no idea how I would live my life. I I guess I would drink more wine. I agree with you and I disagree. I agree that... A million bucks would be fine for me. <laughs> right? It'd be way more than I But that's not the game we're playing as a human race. Uh, so idealism is what's getting us into trouble where our ideals are like, fuck, why do you ever need more than all I need? Like, is like 20000 a year. That's pretty much all I need, yeah. You know, like, I'm, it's, I'm not expensive at all. Uh, yeah, as a low human overhead, being. low overhead. But it doesn't mean I don't respect other people's hustle. And because as human beings, idealistically, it's easy to say no one should have all this opulence. Okay, but as a human race, throughout history, yeah, we like opulence. there's rich people and poor people. Yeah. 
Okay, and then what makes history, in my opinion, this history I've studied, what makes sweet spots in civilization is when you get a middle class. Right. Most of the people are living pretty good. There's still some people that have it shitty, and there's still some people, but most of the people have it good. But right now what's happening is it's just going to be a few people that have a lot and everyone else has shit. You know, so, yeah. you know, getting rid of the middle class was a bad idea. And no one said, let's take down the middle class. It's just when we did the Occupy thing and when we were doing all this, the 1% got richer. <laughs> That's one of the weird... Every time we march, okay, we missed the point. So we all marched about the Occupy thing, right? right. And the 1% got richer. It just helped kill the middle class. Well-meaning idiots. So the people at the top that want to get richer and hang on to their wealth, it's almost like they designed Occupy. Right. Because it played into their hands fine. So now what they did with the Occupy movement, all the conspiracy theories, uh, the places where they did their large group protests, yeah. they made it so you could never protest there again without a permit. Ah. Oh. Okay? So... That was the last time anyone's occupying shit in DC. Right, sure. Okay. They're like, no. So, because they didn't have a clear goal, and the cause got perverted, you know, the first eight people that went camped out there were like, let's take down this specific bank. It's Ben Bernanke we got to go after. They had names. They had a... And then the last 8,000 people that went there were the problem. Well, and in San Francisco, I did a comedy show for Occupy. Oh, that must have been fun. It was really fun. And uh, oh, it was really great. Oh. I got to host it. And we had we found, we found had a microphone and it was all exciting. And, and they were very receptive audience. But there were so many people. And what I recognized, and I was talking to the guy who, Leo, ran the library. He um, he ran a library in inside Occupy. And people would just steal books or whatever. But it was about 20% of people that believed in the movement. Like there were even people that right. were staying there right. that were paying for their apartments at the same time. I talked to a guy, he's like, right. I'm still paying a thousand bucks a month on my apartment. I'm like, right. what do you do? Why are you here? He's like, because I believe in this. Because I want to be part of something. Yeah. So, I want this girl I really like. Wait, so there's so there's that so there's that going on, but then eighty percent of the people were like drug addicts, kids from hate that were like, ah, fuck living on the street in the hate. I'm gonna go live at Occupy. And it was just there was like a lot of drugs and heroin. People were just like, fuck, I'm going to do my heroin in here. in right. Tent City now. Right. So we, it, it started as a well-meaning. It became, re- yeah, right. And it became, it became a nuisance right. for the city. Right. Literally. Cost us billions. I don't know about billions. It cost us a lot of money. Yeah. As a city that we could have been using to help people and fix shit. And, and it didn't accomplish anything. Didn't accomplish anything. You know, so I see a lot of marching going on around. For right. the last five, six years. Sure. And I don't see the benefit right, of doing, any of it. Well, it's the same All thing. All I of like, see it doing is driving people apart. It's like when people want to have a committee to decide what they're going to do. I'm like, just do it. Just right. fucking do it. It's a Why do we have fact, to have a bunch of meetings? If you put three people in a room and say, solve a problem, they come up with a solution. Mm. If you take a hundred people <laughs> and put them in a room and say, solve a problem, they never solve the problem. No. That's like a psychological, I forget what the word term for it is, but that's a thing. You know, it so makes what sense because everyone wants to have their say. And right. even if the same people have the same answer, so they want to have their answer. When you're running a society, this is what sucks. Okay, when I, I, I try to play this game, which I call Think Like a God. 
Right, that's a fun okay. game. Where even though I'm a pe I'm a peon, I like to think like uh, Richard Branson would think. Sure. Or you know, a or um, the why am I the, the Tesla guy, Elon, Elon Musk. Musk. Yeah. How do they think? Hmm. And when you start getting inside their heads, then society starts looking very interesting, because you have to make tough choices to rule a society yeah. to run so for example if we were to solve the homeless problem that solution would end up pissing some people off oh absolutely maybe this is where you get into really fucked up things when you want to control a society because you get into eugenics and stuff well, yeah. but what if the guy's solution Okay, to, to the homeless. I'm not advocating this. I'm just saying, what if? Right. Some guy studies it, and he goes, oh, well, the solution is is to make them your soldiers. Oh. <laughs> or what if the solution is, so if they're capable and sober enough, they can go cut down trees. If not, we're going to just go kill them. Right. You know, go make them be cannon fodder. Here, go stop this bullet while the important people don't get shot, and we'll send you out there. What if that was the solution? So when you think, when you get into God mode, sure. Okay, the solutions to all these problems get really fucked up. Well, it's like when I was little and I didn't understand war and I didn't understand like the first Gulf War and and I'd say to my dad, what what God what what, what do we do? And he said, I don't understand. We we just don't nuke the fuckers. You know, he's like, see, fuck Iraq. The just, way to think he's of like, it, just let's way. nuke them. We got a problem <laughs> with them. Let's nuke them and take their oil. We right. want their oil. Fuck Kuwait. Right. Fuck them all. Just bomb them. Let's get them out of there. Let's take what we want. And I'm like, what? That's not the... That's the, that's the extreme anti-solution I, I think almost. he was sort of joking. But there's but a logic there. Saying. You know, yeah, it is a joke and it is a fucking let's take what we want. But that's what human race is. That's mm. why I mentioned earlier, hey, you got to have a good military. Otherwise, people come take your shit. Right. Okay, so that is human nature where we all want to be well-meaning, lovable hippies here in but San Francisco. But when the class war comes, now I think that the reason this division is all happening in our government and our in our society in America as itself right now, there's a lot of division. You mentioned that, I believe you. I think that it's actually a plot by the government to divide us so much that we create a civil war again right. against I've ourselves been, right. and then they step in as militia. So then we bring the worldwide war kind of exactly to our right. own yeah. soil because yeah. we've never really had war on our own soil since we kind of took it over, right? right. But it's the way to keep the mil because we're not going to be able to stay keep the military industrial complex right. in these other countries. Right. They're, they're going to find these at one point say, fuck you. And we're not going to have the money because China's got the money, we got no money. So the way I think the smart the god thinkers in their smart tanks wherever they are in dc i i honestly think and people might think i'm crazy it is a it's not a conspiracy theory it's just a theory but i think that they're creating and supporting the divisiveness between right. us right. so that we will fight each other and, and then they can come in i think that when the I kkk think the end result is yeah they're gonna they're gonna get us all to fight each other, and then the end result of it is we're all slaves. We're all slaves because the right. the, the, the military-industrial right. complex comes right. to us, right. Right. and they're under martial right. law, and they make all these decisions, and we have no choice anymore what? because we're all at war. I think they wanted to start it here in August. Remember when the KKK was gonna come here and have a thing? I think they wanted us as San Franciscans to go and fight them and start a big problem so that the police force could come they in were trying to and say, it on social media they, and were stuff. Trying they were trying to make to get, it absolutely. Dude, they were, and it didn't work. 
Cause, it didn't work because we're like the, my favorite protest that I well, heard this was this town's too high to really you know go fight a bunch of Nazis. We can go for a walk, which yeah, is what a march is. Walk, we could get high and go for a walk, but we're not gonna get high and go fight a bunch of Nazis. Come yeah. on, we might get hurt. Yeah. Well, so the, the idea that I heard that was the best was uh, we should all take our dogs and go to Chrissy Field and take shits. Just not pick up your dog poo and take human shits. So when they get there for their rally, they have to stand in a bunch of human and dog there shit. There you go. Like, that, I thought that was that's, genius. That's I'm like, that's great. Poetic terrorism. Right. That's, yeah, that's... But we, as San Franciscans, <laughs> said we're not going to take the bait. But right. I think they're going to continue baiting us. Well, and the, the women thing, I think it's the same thing. They'd they're love really, to. This is my whole thing with where I think that the what's going on with the gender war right now is I think um, the the thought I think about a lot is like okay on some level I understand how you could hate somebody because they look different than you or they Mm -hmm. have a different God Mm -hmm. I'm not justifying it I understand it but the way the human race Survives because we don't have test tube BVs quite figured out just yet. Right, brave new world. Yeah, the way the human race survives though is when men and women peacefully come together, love each other, and then have a family. Right. Or and then they create new life. Okay, so what happens when you make men and women hate each other? <laughs> just for because there's a that, 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 like I'm really like you know the gender thing, the and what's so sad about it is like I said uh, on the feminist ideals I'm right there sure okay because like you know like my mom for example her thing she'll always talk about is oh if you were a housewife in the 40s and your husband would come home and beat the fuck out of you yeah you couldn't just split right you know so there's all these things like all those things like yes women should vote Yes, women should have every opportunity. Yes, 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 yes. But then it gets so perverted. By the time the march is over, I'm sitting there going, I don't know anymore. I don't know. I don't. (laughs) You know, because it just things get pushed too far, especially when all the homeless people are men. All the people that die in the wars are men. Yeah. Not all, but you know, like the majority. And. Well, you know, um, I also play this game, too. When you go, there's always never-ending construction in the city. Yeah. Find me. Count the female construction workers that are breaking their hands. Well, I, Calloused hands, one of my, broken backs. I know a couple electricians. There's uh, a, local uh, electricians, though. Yeah. No, I'm talking about people on jackhammers. Right, right, right. They're the really hard right shit. Now. Well, but that, that comes down, that, that actually comes down to, health. that comes down to Marxism in that, that we don't, we so, don't value labor equitably. And, right. And the, so, so some of uh, women's work women isn't even valued. Women are saying, uh, my perception is, oh, I should be able to work as a CFO and make exactly as much money as you do in that world. But yet this manual labor world oh, no, where I we think... fight in wars and like, cause you but can't here's, paint your but nails the, the, and work on a job but site. But the problem <laughs> is that uh, labor is not Value. valued right. equitably and to being yet. in a, to being in a corporate office. And, and that's so the thing is like, why does do... this menial task that's not valued? The men. Right. 
the men are doing the lowest of the low. Well, but here's the thing: that they're at the least they're getting paid, the though. Shit. No, but here's the thing: though, is at least they're getting paid. Women who stayed at home as a homemaker for their whole right. life, they don't even. Right. Not only do they not get paid, they don't get social so security. This is where I They've agree. They've got nothing. This so, is where I right, agree. Right. So we're agreeing this because is what I'm, I'm not saying. Ever joining one group or another. Right, and what I say is, it's, it's sort of a Marxist theory: is that once we value labor equitably, then we value the person who's working on a jackhammer as right. much as we value a surgeon right. as much as we value a teacher right. as much as we value a nanny right. as much as we value a chef if but that's but that's why socialism doesn't work because right. people go well i'm better than that right. i'm better right. than you and I, I don't i'm better than works. manual labor i'm better than manual because you remember the most important part of brave new brave new world which i definitely see happening is making people enjoy their slaveries sure, so the yeah. deltas the right. ones that did the manual Khakis. labor Ugh, what a ghastly color Right. And, and why would <laughs> I want to work indoors? Look, right, I'm I know. Free. I'm out in the exactly, sun. Exactly, yeah. This is great. I'm buffed. I have a great body. Centrifugal bumble puppy, baby. Right. And then the alphas <laughs> are in there, you know, right. going, why would I want to be outdoors? Exactly. And so And the and the betas are all women and they're taught to be subservient to the alphas, which are male. Right. And you know, and because they're So feminism so. though, what scares me the most about feminism though, is like what if I really love women? And I want to find one to be married to for the rest of my life. Like, I feel exactly like Bernard in Brave New World. Sure, sure, sure. Everyone belongs to everybody and friends with benefits that we have here and no one gets married. I very much feel like Bernard. Yeah. Where I'm like, wait, but... What was her name in the book? Lania or right the you know the L- girl Lina, he's Lina Lina yeah Lina he's in her yeah and I'm kind of that's me right. in society where I'm like what's wrong with getting my Linia my Linania or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. falling in love with her and making life together and raising that life and nurturing that life together because that's kind of awesome to make a human being do you want to program that human Uh, being (laughs) i would love to have kids but here's the kicker with the right woman okay yeah right sure like i would have to meet a girl that would be like blanco you want to have a kid and i'd be like yeah i do and you want to raise the kid together and like one of us like so one of us is good cop one of us is bad cop where we have it maybe she goes to work and I stay home it doesn't even have to conform to traditional gender roles it's just the fact that we're both together sharing our lives together because that's beautiful right and then raising another life and getting him to love us and having a family and we go on vacations and have a nice life together (laughs) that's beautiful sure and I would like that yeah and yet I'm living in a society that says, oh, no, 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 no. You want to have a family? Yeah. Oh, that's all wrong. Oh, my God. What are you doing? No, just have a friends with benefits. Have a fuck buddy. You think and a so? kid that you don't raise and you only see half the time. I don't want to huh. have a kid if I'm only going to see him half the time. Wow. I want to have a son, okay, or a daughter and be like, in their life sure and they're in my life and we're together every day because that's what a parent is how do you find that because we we, right now our society you're swiping left and right like it's like right there you go you know i mean i'm so out of touch have you internet dated is that are you in do you sweep swipe left and right i've done it you've done it i've done it i've done tinder i've gone on tinder dates and they were all non-fulfilling for what i'm looking for because 
I'm less horny. Tinder is a horny person's thing. Uh. It's basically the way I perceive it. These young kids swipe left and right, and within one date, maybe two dates, you're fucking. Huh. You know, and so for me, I'm so old school and I'm older now. And yeah. so, okay, I couldn't fuck five times a day if I wanted to. Right, I know. Unassisted. Even, yeah. Give me that special blue pill. Maybe I'm a raging stud again. But no, I'm 43. Right. You know. But I, nobody who wants to have sex day, five times a day. I'm happy. Oh, yeah. when I was 23. Oh, okay. oh I love doing that. Huh. You know, but now I've kind of. You know, I'm, I'm a lot less horny than I was huh. back then. So, this Tinder thing, I'm, I would love, okay? I'm a comedian. I do not want to date another art, a comedian. Of course not. That would okay. be awful. It would, it would be terrible. It's a terrible idea. But if I could find a woman that supported my dreams. Sure. Not financially, but just, you know, like a woman that was like, I believe in you. Yeah. I understand that you're going to be out till three in the morning most nights. Right. You know, and that we can Netflix and chill all day. But as soon as that sun sets, you're going to be out doing comedy. Right. She understands this. Right. And she would, is would you also want her to go to your shows? fascinating enough. This is where I am screwed in life. <laughs> no, what's wrong with me where I get bored of every woman I've ever dated? Huh. In terms of like, uh, there's been a couple there. And the one that got away, of course, was sure. always a challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But like, there's a thing where like, I get bored. I get bored. You start to routine. figure out what's going to go on next. The routine. Sure, sure, sure. That whole thing. And if I could meet a woman that two years from now, I'm like, oh, no, she didn't. She didn't just do that. Oh, my God. This is fascinating. Oh, my God. Huh. You know that fascination? Because this sounds awful. This is really weird. But my parents have an awesome marriage. Awesome. Okay. You could say what you want about any of that aspect of their life. But, like, after 45, 46 years of marriage, my dad is still looking at my mom and going, oh, my God. She just did that. And they're still, like, have this level of amusement with each other. My parents, too, have been married for 47 years. Right. I got married and in 1970. Do you see that where they're still... Do I don't talk to them, but they still uh, seem to live together, so I'm well, impressed. So there's a thing there, you know, and I would be remiss if I didn't want something analog and analogous to that. Sure. You know what I mean? Whereas I've seen a really good example of what a pretty good marriage, not the perfect marriage, but what a pretty good marriage looks like. Right. And I know whatever human being that I would spend the rest of my life with, they have to be entertained by me and think it's neat that I want to be a comedian and right. not be bored with it. Yeah. They might not even think I'm funny, but on some level they want to support what I'm doing. Sure. And then I have to have that for them. Sure. No, it's, it's I'm, I'm so lucky because I have Jonathan and he totally supports my comedy, but he's not a comic. He loves comedy. Right. And he'll watch me and he'll help me and tell me what jokes he wants me to do and he'll critique me, And but he loves comedy, and but he's not a comic. Right. It's the same right. thing when I used to be a teacher. I said I would never date a teacher because all if you dated a teacher, all you talk about is the kids. Right. All you talk about is yeah. teaching. Every teacher, you ever get in a room with a bunch of teachers, all you talk about is teaching. Same thing, I was married to a veterinarian for years and when we got into a room at a party I either learned enough about veterinary medicine to be able to talk about it because otherwise I never would have I would have been constantly bored because yeah. I would have been like look all the veterinarians are talking about veterinary medicine so it was one of those things like well I better get into it otherwise I'm going to be pissed off in the corner all the time Right. but it's I, I don't think it's a good idea for like people that are the same to 
get, I mean, if you were both veterinarians, how boring. Exactly. Or if you're both doctors, how boring. I, I could hook up with a comic and spend the rest of my life with her if we had that, like... It, I was still fascinated with her in two years. Right. Is that's just the thing? Is that's why I think a lot of marriages don't last now, because uh, in society I don't see people. Okay, the whole dating structure that used to exist in archaic America, medieval times, right? Where you dated someone and like on the first mi- like let's say your teens and on the first date you probably had to meet her dad. Yeah, sure. Right off the get go. Right. And you would have to date her for like three, four weeks, you know, or three, four months, you know, but, and then maybe after you've been an item for two years, then you can get married and have sex. <laughs> right? You think people weren't having premarital sex? No, Come they were. on. They were totally. Yeah, of course they were. But those structures, okay, were in place because it's like a two year long job interview. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, what's wrong with knowing someone for a long ass time before you marry him? But I see a lot of people. I've been to one, two. I hate going to weddings because you're the, like, I always ask, like, you know, dude, how long have you been together? Oh, well, you know, are you two years? And I'm like, when did you propose? Well, seven months into the relationship. That's uh, crazy. And you're just like, dude, I know this marriage ain't going to last. Yeah, and you're going to make me go to your wedding yeah, and, and buy put you on a the present. Tie, oh, God. You know, and put on a goddamn suit and look all nice and interact with people <laughs> I don't want to mingle with. I don't believe in marriage anymore because I was married. Right. And so I, you know, I got, I got an STD for my first marriage. It's, yeah, sexually transmitted debt. <laughs> it's a joke. Debt. I got debt. He, um, he had, he had a credit card debt I didn't know about until three years into our marriage. And I was like, really? That'll happen. I was like, you have $15,000 of credit card debt. We've been married for three years. You gave me $15,000 of debt. Really? And you never told me? was crazy but um i don't believe in marriage because it's just a, it's a great tax break the only reason to get married is if you want to buy a house with someone or if you have a house and you want more deductions that's the only reason to really get married See, the part about marriage i believe in is that rad ideal again uh-huh. idealism gets us into trouble of when two people share their lives together it's beautiful. Yeah, but you don't have to have a piece of paper. And for that. humans are supposed to. Well, I mean, because uh, Jonathan and I are together, and we're going to be together. You for don't a really have to have time, a piece but... of paper for that. Um, but I do believe, like, that there is something beautiful about that commitment. You but know what I, I just mean? don't think and that, that just, the marriage. So it doesn't have to be recognized by the state. Like, I mean, know, if you have, I mean, I like, would have a ceremony with Jonathan right, that had no, right. that would have no. Like, don't you think if you really love them and you were together for a really long time, that you would want a way of like, you know, if in 35 years, you know, wouldn't you feel like there was never a way to commemorate that I spent my life with this person? Yeah, but I don't. I, As a comedian, you put down your credits. <laughs> Right? What that I'm that I have a boyfriend of four years? No, as a comedian, <laughs> you know, mutiny radio, oh, right, 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 San right, Francisco, right, 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 whatever right, your right. credits are. Sure. You know, so it's just kinda like one of your credits. Oh, I got when you. you meet people, okay, and I'm at a bar and if I'm married, okay, first of all that ring lets everyone know, hey, don't flirt with me. But you know what? See that's you know, not true because that- I have my old wedding ring from my first well, no marriage. one respects what that means exactly anymore. so I, when i wear it i get hit on more because a lot of people and if especially if you're in a bar and, and a people ring. right but the thing is <laughs> people think when it's also a weird think a psychological problem with men is that once they see that you're taken they know you're good enough right you're, see it makes you automatic someone else thinks she's good enough she must be fucking i think that great. works with both genders maybe 
I think that works with both genders. Because I just, I get hit on whenever I wear that thing. Because I, I, I did wear it for a while because I thought I'd keep the flies away. Right. I thought it would help, but it made it worse. No, I, I feel, it, <laughs> I never have as many people coming on to me as when I'm in a relationship. It's just this weird thing where it's when you're single, thing. we smell it on each other. Right, I right. smell it. When I see that crazy cat lady who's been single for four years and has a collection, a toenail clipping collection... <laughs> You smell it on him. Right, you know what right, I mean? Right. Like, we smell it on each other. Yeah. Like, oh, you're unfundable. Yeah, yeah, oh, you're yeah. undateable. We smell it on each other as human so beings. Funny. And it could be any gender. But as soon as you get that ring, well, and it's, you know what I mean? I, then that's saying, hey, look, someone has Someone vouched. thinks I'm worth it. Someone exactly. keeps coming back for more of that. Right. And so it does. It validates you. Um, it gives you value. But I don't know. I feel like... Um, Making a commitment to somebody. It's not something you have to do. I'm not doing it. Yeah. Right? But I think when two people do do that, it's such a beautiful thing that I admire so much. If they actually... When you see you it know, work and do it, it does yeah. work. Uh-huh. I've seen... Uh-huh. I have a friend who loves up, who lives up in Bend, Oregon. Okay? He's always wanted a, a girl with red hair. <laughs> he found himself one. Oh, that's great. Okay? He's got their kid. They're gr- raising their kid up in Bend. Which, what a great oh, place for a yeah. kid to grow up. And, you know, I don't talk to them every day or any of that, but goddamn, looking at the Facebook, it looks yeah. like they have something pretty beautiful going. I have a friend too. And never like believe that. what you see on Facebook. She, she, but, uh, she lives on a boat with her husband. She said, oh, I've always wanted to be with a guy on a boat. And then the next week she met a guy on a boat and then they got married. Now they have beautiful right? children so and she's so happy. And, and she's just such an amazing human being. And I remember going through all, waiting through all of her, just like disastrous boyfriends. And I was always like, you're the most amazing person. Why is this? Right. And then she just met him and they were like, ding, it just happened. And now they, you know, when two people click, yeah, it's stuff. so beautiful. Yeah. And I've seen, okay, there's a comedian. Uh, who is a newer comic. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is in an arranged marriage. Really? Yes. Uh, huh. I believe he's Indian. I don't huh. know for a fact. He might be some... Bangladeshi or right. something. Who knows? But yeah. I do know he's in an arranged marriage. Wow. Okay. And what they have... Wow. What they have, I'm like into. Huh. I'm like, oh shit. They have like a rad marriage. They go out and do comedy and she supports him. She doesn't get on stage, but she's always around. All the comics, you know him, you know her. Huh. You know, if you know him, you know her for sure. Wow. And she is awesome. Fun to talk to. Like when I see them at a mic, I'm like, oh, they're here. Oh, how cool. And like, you know, like they love Disney and I love Disney. I love Disney and, too. Right. So yeah. there's all this like, you know, and what they have though, I and mind you, I'm just looking at it from afar. Sure. I couldn't be any more envious. <laughs> okay, what they have seems to be so fucking awesome. They're into each other. They're supportive of each other. And they, it was an you could see marriage. they have some pretty clear gender roles going. Sure. You know, because when you're from a society that has an arranged marriage, I assume right. that there's going to be some gender roles within that marriage. Sure. Um, but it, I'm now if we ask. Each of them behind closed doors, they might tell you it sucks. You don't know. <laughs> we know yeah, we know. But from what I see from afar, yeah. I'm like, oh, it's pretty good. He wakes up and when he's tagging, you know, all the comedians in his posts, yeah. he always mentions her. Oh, that's so sweet. Right. And so, yeah. So, and, you know, and you're looking and 
I don't know. I like to think I'm better looking than this dude. And maybe somewhere. <laughs> Are you looking for an arranged marriage? No, I'm a, hey, he's, everybody he's a handsome young guy. Girl. But I'm just saying that uh, arranged marriages, you always hear about how awful they are. Sure. And then, and I assumed they were awful until I met this guy. And I didn't know it was an arranged marriage when I met them. It right. was somebody else co- who talked to them and was like, told me, oh, you know that. And then I was like, oh, this is beautiful. <laughs> like, what if at 16, someone would have gone, hey, Brian, we got a pretty good match for you. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and so there's always those disastrous things. You hear about the nightmares. Oh, sure. So I don't think it should be a mandatory thing. But it's not, if it works for people, But it would be a kind a of a cool idea. option to have. But when you see a couple that has a good thing going, it's beautiful. It's it's better it's than the God. the most beautiful thing in the world. In this, the world. this was a lot of fun, Brian. I've learned a lot about your viewpoints and ways of life and uh, not belonging. I'm excited for your move to Austin, and I can't wait to hear it's scary. what wonderful it's scary and awesome things. We'll see what's going to happen, but... It's going to be great. Yeah. You're moving on. I mean, I, if I could leave and travel around I just it just isn't my I have I have too many roots right I my 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 cat and I can't drive Uh, that's actually the reason I kind of got locked into San Francisco in the first place is I got my DUI 10 years ago and I couldn't drive and I had to move to a city with public transportation so I can never live anywhere like Austin Texas or LA I I just I I need the muni I need the subway I'm trying to make it work you're doing it. Well, this was a lot of fun. This has been job. some call me Tim. This has been we we did it. We had a fun time. Thank you yeah. so much. This was so different than my first podcast. I'm this was such a joy and pl- just pleasure to have you here. <laughs> cool. Everybody, Brian Blanco, and this has been some call me Tim. I'm your host Pam Benjamin. We'll be back Friday for happy hour, and then at eight o'clock it's Helena Hambasket, which is going to be a great show. Uh, Joe Gorman, Zach Wiseman. Alyssa Westerlund and Courtney McLean. So it's going to be a great show. Also sets by Chris Sanders from out of town. He's going to do some time in the fills. So that'll be a fun show. Hey, everybody. See you next time. Yay. Bye. Dedication and deterrence. Inquiries that lie idle require complete concurrence. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-face McRat. <laughs> Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and beyond's underground 
Underground Comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. If you're looking for a personal injury lawyer in San Francisco, look no further than Francis J. Shaheda. Mr. Shaheda did an amazing job with my case. First, he informed the courts about my case that had not been scheduled or submitted yet, despite the language on the citation. I was so confused and afraid of the legal system, but he did it all for me. He communicated promptly via email with any of my questions. I was afraid of an enormous fine for a small infraction, as well as a criminal offense on my record, but he spoke to the DA to have my case removed from criminal court and put into the community court system. I am so overwhelmingly happy with the results he generated and would recommend him to anyone with legal issues. This is a personal first-person narrative because Francis J. Shaheda helped me personally, helped Mutiny Radio go to him for personal injury issues. You can email him at www.personalinjuryattorney.com fjs.com again the law office of francis j shaheda in san francisco awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than mutinyradio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can 